Your move, creep. Mission luck, Bruiser. You both Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's night Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. So we've got a great episode planned. Actually, it's kind of... As always. We always have great episodes planned, and we have a pretty great one today. I feel like... That we haven't recorded yet. (laughs) Yes, that we haven't recorded, but I feel like this weekend was kind of destined to be a good retrograde episode. Do you want to know why, Austin? Why? Because recently, the 40th anniversary of E.T. was happening. So we could have easily talked about that film. Instead, oh, yeah. we decided to Damn, talk. We're talking about all kinds of aliens. That's, this, that's what this I'm month, saying. Huh? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we're talking about a whole bunch of different aliens because we recently just talked about finished talking about Signs, which was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Now we could have talked about E.T. Instead, we're choosing to talk about another alien film. Austin, what movie are we going to be talking about this week? This week, we're going back to 1987. And we're going to be talking about Predator, directed by... John McTiernan. Starring... Um, hmm. Do you know... Are you familiar with the, the director? No, not too much. Wait, you didn't say starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I was going to say Arnold that. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Jesse the Body Ventura, uh, a very young Shane Black. Yes. And uh, Bill Duke, rest in peace. I believe he passed away Oh, wait, recently. no. I, did he? No? No, I don't he think... did not. I don't think so. I thought we were... He did not. Okay. Yeah, he hasn't. Whew. Don't don't murder the man before he's actually dead. Why would you say that? He could he could pass between the, our this recording and then when the episode drops. Oh wow. I don't know why. I th- I feel like somebody said that he died, and I was like, no, no, oh, I man, did. I never fact checked. I it. did. I did. And then I I did fact you check did? it, and I said he died, and then I fact check. It's like, oh no, he. That's did. right, man. So oh. I mean, so many people have been dying in the past few years, especially in, like yeah, the last like, week. The, the misinformation chain, though, you know, yes. like somebody said it and I'm, and they and it was you. Yeah, I started it. You set us up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, but we're talking yeah. about Predator because recently Prey w- premiered on Hulu, which is getting a lot of good reviews. Kind of, it, It's like the first good Predator movie or Predator sequel. Yeah, I felt like this week was destined to be good because we could have either talked about E.T. or Predator. And I feel like. Both of those are great follow-ups to Signs, which is just a bunch of aliens. We're just talking about aliens. And we're talking about aliens in a whole different context because Signs was like a spooky, suspenseful thriller. Yeah, but also very, like, family-based. Yes. Very spiritual. It's a movie where you, like, care about the characters. Yeah, but also very spiritual because, I mean, the themes go back very much to Jesus and God, you know? Uh, and well, it, faith, I guess. Oh, faith, yeah. Something something out of this world spiritually. And then there's E.T., which is a lot more heavy on the fantasy, the um, the wonder, the, uh, the hopefulness. And now we've decided to pivot and go into horror slash gore 
slash action. It's 80s schlock. Yes. You know, sci-fi, B-movie kind of kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of stuff that sells a lot of merchandise. The kind of thing that franchises are made out of, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, well... I can't blame this movie for capitalizing on that. It has the one of one of the coolest des, villain designs ever. Like, say what you want about oh, the yes, very say what you want about cool the Predator, design. but in uh, Predator and all his follow up sequels, but he is always cool. The Predator is dope as fuck. The Predators, I would say that the Predator's design is dope, mm-hmm. but like the the lore of the Predator is kind of like. This guy sucks. You know? <laughs> well, like, fuck this guy. We'll actually get into that, but... Yeah, we'll get into it. Um, Austin, what was the... I mean, and you pushed for this movie, right? You were the one yeah, that said... Yeah, because I, I do... I, we're going to start our Patreon soon, and I saw this movie Prey was getting a lot of buzz, and it has, like, really good reviews, and there's even a dub for it in Comanche, mm-hmm. which is the... I believe the indigenous language of the characters in that in that film, because it, it takes place in when you know Native Americans, the indigenous people of, of America, were like, you know, this was their country, mm-hmm. and the predator attacks them. So it's it's kind of like a prequel to to this movie, mm-hmm. and it was it was it had huge reviews, and I I was like, man, I can't, I I didn't know that that Comanche was such a like it was a language that was still kept around today because of, you know, all the things that happened to the people that used to live here. So I, I really want to watch that movie, and I really want to talk about that movie on a future Patreon episode. I feel like that would be that'd be great. Yeah, it's funny because I I saw the trailers for it and I was not excited for it at all. Yeah, when I saw the title, I thought Prey. Oh, it's like it's like that video game. Yeah. Cause it's a, well, yeah, the, but the, I was like, oh, oh, it's a Predator movie. Oh, OK. Well, I wasn't even excited when they said it's a Predator movie because I was like, oh, another one like, you know, after Shane Black and AVP one and two and what other fucking Predator films we got. I was like, I'm Predator two. Yeah. I'm like, I don't give a shit about this <laughs> franchise at all. I remember vaguely watching the first one as a kid. Um, but it, mm-hmm. it never left a huge impression on me. Uh, not until the very end. And I'm not saying that this movie's bad or that I disliked it. It's just, it's not a movie from my childhood that I can vividly remember watching. Do you know what I mean? Like, RoboCop, I can remember vividly certain scenes like that I was watching that left a huge impression. Yeah. Not this one so much. And that's not a bad thing, but... The stuff that I remember from this movie are like the, the one-liners and like the, the, the handshake. Oh, yeah. Those... That's iconic. Like we, one time I saw Dylan, and I just I gave him the big handshake, and I was like, "Dylan, you son of a bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's a it's a very memorable movie through that angle. Um, but I, as a kid, I didn't really register all that. So I, while I think the Predator design is cool, I'm so and so on the movies. Um, and that's why I wasn't excited for Prey. But then you know, seeing that it got a lot of good reviews, and I'm like, oh, it's on Hulu. Okay, fuck it. I, I'll say this just to detract a little bit. If the movie had come out in theaters, I would have definitely gone watch it. So, hey, there's something to be yeah, said about definitely. going to the movie theaters. I would have totally watched it as soon as like I saw everybody raving about it. I was like, oh, is it like really good? Okay, mm-hmm. I'll believe you. When you have like people from different circles saying like, oh, this Predator movie's dope. 
maybe it's a pro- maybe it's a good movie. You know, if it appeals to this group of people and this group of people and this other group of people that normally don't all like the same things, and it really doesn't uh, appeal to a certain group of people whose opinions are trash, well, maybe it's a good movie. <laughs> What's funny is I actually haven't seen that many negative that much t- negative talk around it. I mean, obviously there are going to be people that like hate it because it's like it's got Native Americans and that's it. But for the most, um, part, no, it's it's more more than that. It's because uh, I think the main character is a girl. Well, I think through that angle, but I feel like a lot of the talk around this movie has been very positive. Because uh, yes. I because I mean think about I mean if we think about like Last Jedi, instantly I can already think about the comments that we've read and gone through. Like Last Jedi mm-hmm. was very much known for being a movie that was hated, right? Like even if you hadn't seen the movie, but with Prey, mm-hmm. it's been a lot less than that like i'm sure people are still talking shit but oh yeah i think the the there's a you know if you have a venn diagram of last jedi haters and prey haters i feel like they will overlap quite a bit i don't know i'm curious to watch prey because and i've been keeping up with it just a little bit more just because now there's like a a real uh like i'm i want to keep up with it just to kind of see how positive it is and so far it's positive 93 percent critic 78 percent audience like all right i was expecting like 93 critics 32 percent audiences guys <laughs> i mean that's how the internet is it's just extremes no middle ground yeah and it seems like this movie has struck a chord with a lot of people just because it, like you said it is the best uh, predator sequel since the Schwarzenegger one, it might even be better than this one, but we'll we'll get to it. We'll, we'll after we watch all the movies and do the prey, and we'll, well, we'll see. Well, actually, I want to get into that a little bit because so the Predator film, the one with Schwarzenegger, is like an iconic film. Even if you've never yes. seen Predator, you know of Predator. You know of Arnold yeah. being in the jungle, like the cast. Even if you haven't seen the movie, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's it is iconic. Like you said, it was the beginning of a franchise. Now. The question is, is it actually a good movie? Because this happens all the time. I mean, we this happens all the time. Something will be iconic or will be remembered fondly. But upon revisiting it, is it a good movie? I don't know. It has a 46% Metacritic score. 46. That's not a great score. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 80%, which is pretty good. Yeah, no, it's very good actually. Eighty percent is is good, but yeah, you know, I mean, is it a good movie? I don't know because there's a lot. Arnold was in a lot of movies that were schlocky eighty action films, and how many of those were actually good? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's also like, okay, well, maybe people didn't like get it when it came out, mm-hmm. you know? Because Speed Racer, a movie that we both love, a movie that we we believe is a good movie, absolutely was hated by critics, hated by a lot of critics. Yeah, it's doing this kind of hindsight with these films always kind of opens up the opens up the conversation to was something actually good to begin with or not because we might actually watch Predator and it might suck. I'm not saying it will, but I mean when you're re- mm-hmm. revisiting something there's always you always run the risk of it being not as good as you think it was. And also the the kinds of stuff that you the the context that you have now because mm-hmm. when we go back to it we're gonna like we're gonna go back to it with who we are now mm-hmm. right and then we're gonna do all the research and it's gonna inform our opinion in some way so you know that's why we do the podcast yeah. you know, it's, it's fun to go back to these movies and look look at them for more than just like oh that movie's awesome 
next. You know what I mean? It's fun to to go deep on these things. I'm curious to rewatch this. I'm I I I I'm in the mood for something explosive and action packed. You know? Yeah. My my prediction is going to be like all like the the cheesy fun stuff is going to like be like funny, mm-hmm. but I I feel like the the actiony stuff is like hmm. I know why I'm an aliens guy. You know what I mean? Like aliens, I think is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. The Predator, I think is like it's all right. It's a fun you know? movie. That's I think it's a fun movie. You know, like as far as like entertainment value I get while watching the thing, like I'm entertained. As far as like uh, thrilling action, I'm invested in the characters and the story. I don't, I don't think it has that, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure there's there's something that I will read into it when going back to this movie because I always do. Mm-hmm. Always find something. Well, uh, let's go to 1987 real quick mm-hmm. before we break. 1987. We've actually been to this year twice before. RoboCop. Do you want to guess? RoboCop was one. Mm, man. Oh, Little Shop of Horrors. That was 86. Oh. All right. What, what was 87 then? Dirty Dancing. Ah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. AMC. Or uh, the AMC that we, you and I go to, was having a screening mm-hmm. of Dirty Dancing. Nice. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah, I just got the Blu-ray for it, too. Nice. Just decided to get it. It's steelbook and everything. It's, like, beautiful. Oh, you got to send me a picture. of. You got to post a picture of the um, steelbook cover. Because those steelbook covers are always cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, they went all out for this one, too. But you're right. Yeah. Uh, Dirty Dancing and RoboCop. Wow, what a year. Yeah. What a year. Uh, but it's, it's funny because those movies weren't in the top 10 of the domestic box office for 87. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to the box office for 87. At number one is Beverly Hills Cop 2. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. At number Eddie Murphy, yep. At number two, we have Platoon. Mm. Number three, Fatal Attraction. Ooh. Number four, The Untouchables. Number five, Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> number six, The Secret of My Success. Have you heard of this movie? Never. It's funny because we must have talked about it three times. And we still don't. <laughs> and I still, I was like, what the fuck is this movie? It's a Michael J. Fox movie where he's like a, he works in a mailroom and he like cons his way as like an executive. He like invents a new identity for himself because his uncle or grandpa, or, I think his uncle has like a, a really high position, but he's an idiot. But he married into it, I guess. Mm. Okay. It does not have a very good uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. But I love me some uh, Michael J. I might be able to catch it now. What, what's the title of it again? I forgot again. <laughs> <laughs> the Secret of My Success. That's a terrible title. Just... Well, maybe it's not that great of a movie. Maybe. Uh, number seven, Stakeout. Do you remember what Stakeout was about? I can't remember either. That was the one with uh, uh, Dreyfus and uh, Emilio Estevez. Where they're cops and they're staking out a, a, a escaped convict's like ex girlfriend to like catch him, but one of them falls in love with her. Yeah, I remember we we talked about it a bit in Dirty Dancing. Yeah, it's very like yikes. The trailer especially. Oh Jesus my god. Christ. Uh, does not does not age well. I'll say that. Number eight, Lethal Weapon. 
Okay. Mel Gibson. Number nine, The Witches of Eastwick. And then number 10, Predator. Also coming out this year, La Bamba, Crocodile Dundee, Robocop and Dirty Dancing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Full Metal Jacket, The Living Daylights, Spaceballs, and let's do a, I'll see a random one. Uh, the, the first Wall Street movie. Oh, Charlie Sheen out. and Michael Douglas. Wow. Well, it also came out in 80. Yeah, it came out in 87. December of 87. Oh, wow. So Michael Douglas was in Wall Street and Fatal Attraction. Was he in Fatal Attraction? Yeah. I always get uh, Michael Douglas and um, Char- Martin Martin Sheen. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, Martin Sheen is Emilio Estevez's dad. I Yeah, I know, but like I get... Like, I feel like they could be in each other's movies and we would never know. I don't know. You know I can't I, mean? I can't see Mike Martin Sheen being like sleazy. Could you you can't picture Martin Sheen being sleazy? No. I mean he goes he goes crazy in Apocalypse Now, but that's different. Like I don't see him like actively being sleazy. That's he's the president in the West Wing. <laughs> and the president can't be sleazy, right? <laughs> Not his presidency. <laughs> Not his presidency. All right. Well, uh, what's, so we're going to be trying to see, is this movie actually good? What do we, what new things do we see in this movie? Um, going back to it after so many years. I feel like the, I didn't say talk about the first time I watched the movie. I feel like I've watched this movie one and a half times. The first time I watched it at somebody else's house, but it was like already going and I was like waiting for them or something. It was weird. I, I remember the, the, the room that I was in. And I was like, oh, shoot, did that, that guy just die? Because I think it was a TV edit where like the gore stuff was edited out. So I didn't know if that character died or not. And then I left. <laughs> uh, and then the other time I watched it all the way through. And uh, what I took away from it was the, the one-liners and stuff. Like, I feel like the first half of the movie was, was like fun. And then the second half was like, hmm, I'd rather this. It's not hitting those like action moments that i want from this kind of movie but i don't know that's that's what i remember we'll see what happens we'll, we'll see how much has changed maybe you'll maybe you'll appreciate it more this time maybe or appreciate something else about it yeah i'm curious to see what the making of this movie was simply because like this was shot in a jungle and movies mm-hmm. filmed in the jungle are notoriously really fucking difficult <laughs> yeah. i mean look at any movie that was shot in the jungle i mean revenant was a piece of shit to film to film apocalypse I'm now sure. i'm sure platoon was awful infamous yeah oh, oh yeah. yeah apocalypse now was so infamous for its production that there's literally a, a making of there's a movie about the making of a movie and it's yeah. not like oh my god this everyone was a family and stuff it's like martin sheen had a heart attack sets were torn <laughs> down they had to they had to rewrite the scripts there was entire battle scenes it was it was a fucking it like pointlessly blew up part of the jungle yeah for a scene that they didn't even have in the movie yeah they like Ugh. like the director said some stuff that like would later get the movie like banned and protested there's a whole like marlon brando fiasco where he didn't even want to like memorize his lines yeah so they had they just filmed him cards or something so <laughs> now that's apocalypse now which we will definitely have to make an episode off in the future definitely that, yeah. that's i can already tell that's like a part one part two absolutely uh but francis ford coppola is gonna make us do extra work for real again but uh i don't know too much about the making of this movie and that's why i'm really curious to see because 
they're obviously filming in the jungle like what part of the jungle like what jungle in the world how difficult was it john mctiernan is known to be a difficult director but he does put out he has put out quality so maybe it's that he just demands more from his cast and crew but was it unreasonable I i don't know He's got some stuff going on on his Wikipedia page, well, let's say. And that's the thing, too. I don't know exactly what happened with John McTiernan, because I don't think he directs anymore. And apparently, he's not in the U.S. Like, or I don't... That's not a good look. It's not a good look. In fact, I'm like, wait, did he get, like, Roman polanski where he's, like, in a different country that doesn't extradite? I'm like, whoa, what... What's happening with John McTiernan? Because this man has made... As far as I know, he's made two bangers. That society deemed, or he's made two films that society has deemed as bangers, Die Hard and Predator. So why is well, this- sold the Hunt for the Red October too? Right? Wasn't that a big? Yes, and I love that movie. So, mm. so I'm like, why? Like, what? What's happening? There's like a giant exclamation mark with John. So I'm like, what the fuck? An happened? asterisk. Well, look, for me, it's a question mark, just because I don't know. A question mark. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he was abusive i don't know if it was like wrongful term i i don't i don't know but it's it's not a good look i don't even know mm-hmm. what's exactly happened like if you asked me where in the world is john mctiernan i'd be like i don't know i i don't think he's in the u.s okay well we'll find out more about this guy yes and then there was i know that there's like one like weird uh making of thing that i am i want to talk about it's it's gonna be so funny like we would have had arnold schwarzenegger and this other guy in the same movie and it would have been great but we'll talk to it we'll, we'll talk about it when we when we uh, get to that part of the episode but for now if you would like to watch predator uh i actually have it on home video because a friend gave me an alien and predator collection so i, I can watch it that way but for the rest of you uh it is on hulu obviously uh <laughs> Because they want to put all the Predator stuff on there with Prey out. Um, and I think you can rent it on YouTube and Amazon and Apple TV and all that stuff. So I like how you just, with, I like how you just, ha, poor people. I, what? The, no, I didn't. Yeah. I said a friend gifted it to me. Ha, poor people. I got it for free. Somebody bought it. That's not. I see. I see. I'm not. I'm not saying that I brought my like custom steel book. Well, it, you know? it's not custom. So sh- shut the fuck up. <laughs> steel book. You brought a, a steel, steel books are not cheap. People. No, it's, it's right? the one from Best Buy. So it's like, you know. T- if there was a, an expensive version of a movie, it would be the steel book. You know, it's like the, the Blu-ray plus. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that it comes with the same amount of movie, but it comes in a steel box. <laughs> With like a fancy artwork on it. It's cool. But I'm not going to shame George for bragging about his Dirty Dancing Steelbook. Like he's trying to do me. <laughs> shame on you, George. Trying to poor people us. Ha! Peasants. <laughs> Humbug. I, I am poor people. What are you talking about? <laughs> We're all poor people. <sighs> but no, it's this movie's going to be great to rewatch. I'm excited watching signs and i did watch et and now following up predator it's like man i've got aliens on the mind yeah you're gonna be wearing a tinfoil hat on their next episode leave glasses of water everywhere just in case (laughs) all right we will see you in one minute 
in a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trailer, the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean, we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, Jen. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, you can kill it. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. We have just finished watching. 1987's Predator. I got a lot to say about this movie. But a lot to say about this movie? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But overall impressions, Austin? I feel like uh, I was right in the beginning um, on, on how I would feel at this point. I feel like there was some really funny, like, schlocky 80s stuff. And then some of the, like, action in the middle, I was like, hmm. And then, and then towards the end, I was like, "Okay, this, this is I like this movie. I'm, I'm on the fence of like this is a good movie during, during the like last act." Gotcha. Okay, interesting. All right. I feel like I don't have a huge reverence for this movie as other people do. Do you know what I mean? Like some people love this movie. Some people are like this is a great, fantastic film. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of half and half, but I have a lot of opinions about it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, because I I do enjoy a lot of it, and there are certain aspects that I really dig. And I can also acknowledge that the film kind of falters in certain aspects, but it's like a complicated feeling because I think it's both a pro and a con. It's one of it's like I can't really make up my mind, so I just kind of sit in the middle. Or not even in the middle, but slightly more positive. Because ultimately I do enjoy this movie. But and this is a douchebag thing to say, but I did think that if this is the best that the Predator franchise has to offer, I'm still an Aliens guy, <laughs> right? Well, I don't, I don't think that they're like even on the the same level, you know. Like Alien and Aliens are like great examples of of filmmaking. Yes, you know, and like Predator is is like a classic movie, a classic action movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a good that's way of putting it. Like, you hold them to different standards, and yeah. they're both good. Like, they're both solid. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, I, they're not, they're not on the same level. Yeah, but outside of that, I still really enjoyed it. And I do like a lot of the things that it's doing. And I like the mashup of having, uh, like, an 80s action film, but also include elements of horror in there. And I wouldn't say that the movie is necessarily scary. No, but- it's not. It's, but it, but it, it is, I wouldn't even say suspenseful, but it is intriguing. Like you like seeing the process and you like seeing them kind of wrap their heads around what's happening, you know, and kind of them being in this secluded area where the foliage is just so thick and you, you can't see further than 20 feet, you know, because of just how much, Mm. how many trees and stuff. It's, it's a really interesting concept that is not scary, but it's still enjoyable. And it, it does have those horror elements. Like, you know, 
thinking about it, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like the final girl. You know, mm-hmm. like in horror films, there's that trope of the of the final girl. You've got Nev Campbell, Jamie Lee Curtis, tons of them, right? Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of like the the final girl, and it's like, mm-hmm. huh, okay. <laughs> you pick them off one by one. Yeah. And you, every character has like an archetype, and you always have that one character that's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're not any. very likable characters. Not likable, but memorable. And what I do like is that they're not likable. But they are, number one, they're memorable. But number two, they're a good barometer for how amazingly strong the Predator is. Do you know what I mean? Because, well, we'll actually get into that a little bit later. But we'll get over, into it. Because yeah. I, I feel like, I, I think that in the 80s, when you would see guys like like this cast in a movie, you don't expect all of them, almost all of them to die. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that... Um, that meant a lot more back then than it does now. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting. I think this movie is still really entertaining, but I don't think a lot of it has aged well. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it very mm-hmm. much is a relic of its time, which still makes it special, but it doesn't hold up to, like, Aliens, which you watch it today and you're like, fuck, this is still incredible. You know, this is better than most action films coming out now. It's what separates the classics from the cult classics. And this isn't necessarily a cult classic, but it ain't a I, classic classic. Yeah, I mean, I, I recommend it if you haven't seen it in a long time, or if you just haven't seen it, go check it out. I think it's widely entertaining, and it's got a lot of that 80s schlock that's... If you hate that, then yeah, you're going to dislike this movie. I mean, if you if you hate that, you might enjoy watching every all those people die. That is true. Yes, like all the all of the uh, Jesse, the Body Ventura, and uh, uh, Bill Pope, and Carl Weathers, uh, Carl Carl Weathers, like Shane Black. If, I guess Shane Black is in there too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if if you like hate those like archetypes of like oh that guy's got the cigar in his mouth and he's got the big gun he's got the big muscles he makes a lot of misogynistic homophobic comments oh he's dead you know if you want to see them die yeah that's Go for it. <laughs> yeah, and even then, I, I will say, at that point, it might, I would just say stay away from it just because you do have to deal with them for a while. It's like, it might not be worth, you <laughs> know? It might not be... Because there are some movies where the people are so horrifying, horrible, that it's... And their deaths are so brutal and horrible that it's like, yes, this is one of those where it's like, they're a lot of them die off screen. <laughs> or they yeah, die... Yeah, that, that is another thing. And, they, and some it? of them die, like, really quickly. Where it's like, oh, I got nothing out of it, um, and and yeah, that is true. Some of the presentations of the, of the characters' deaths are really questionable, which kind of lends it that aspect of, oh, this hasn't aged well. But again, we will talk about all of that. Um, Austin, Bill you Duke, wanna... not Bill Pope. My bad. Oh, no <laughs> like, uh, we're just we're so disrespectful to Bill Duke. <laughs> so disrespectful. I'm so sorry. Hey, that's you, man. What do you mean? That's you. You said that he was dead on another on a previous episode. <laughs> I repeated it. Yeah. So I guess it's I guess I'm I'm two for year one. So I need to apologize extra hard. To exactly. Build so, but not in this movie. <laughs> but it, this movie, it it is available on Hulu. I I think the whole franchise is available on yes. Hulu. So if you want to watch the movie before we get into spoilers, go ahead. We've already kind of spoiled it already, but it's this movie's been out for like what 40, 30 years. That might be on you. <laughs> okay, so anyway, 
And the movie starts with an alien spacecraft flying over Earth and then like a little like pod ejects from it. And then we meet these like uh, mercenaries who are led by Dutch, who's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they're all these like big dudes, you know, they like chew tobacco and stuff. There's Mac, who's played by Bill Duke. There is Pancho, who is played by Richard Chavez. Blaine, who is Jesse Ventura. Billy, who is Sonny, Sonny Landon, who I don't think I've seen before, but they're like the tracker Native American soldier. Uh, and Hawkins, who is played by Shane Black. Uh, and they're they're meeting this uh, major uh, who's telling them, hey, you got to go rescue this foreign diplomat. And then it, it turns out that Dutch's old Vietnam War buddy, Dylan, who's played by Carl Weathers, is there. And they do like this. But my favorite part of the movie is the handshake because <laughs> it just focuses in on their biceps and they're like glistening with sweat and they're huge and they're like squeezing each other. And it's like a competition. Dutch says, what's the matter? CIA has you pushing too many pencils? I don't know what that means, but he's like emasculating him. And he's like, oh, you're too much. All right. You never knew when to quit. And they're like friends. Uh, he gets filled in on the mission. And he's like, well, why is a diplomat flying into guerrilla territory? And then they don't really respond to that. Dylan asks him why he missed out on this other job and he's like well it's not our style we're not assassins so there's something shady about this mission and dylan is lying about something they they go over to the take a helicopter ride over to the area they land and they're like tracking the they tracking the gorilla group they see the crashed helicopter where the diplomat was the tracker billy he's like something's not right there was there is a set of u.s issued gear tracking the gorillas and then he asks Dylan, hey, do you know anything about that? And he's like, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they keep uh, tra tracking them. And then they find a bunch of bodies just strung up on the tree. They're, they're skinned. And Dutch, why was he here? He was a Green Beret. I guess. And then Dylan is still playing dumb. Like, I have no idea what's happening. So they, they find the gorilla camp. And it's like the most like cheesy stereotypical like commando style blow everybody up like explode everything that can be exploded shoot all the guns the you have the famous i ain't got time to bleed line <laughs> you have arnold schwarzenegger throwing a machete at at somebody impaling them on a on a pole and then he says stick around like it's just like 80s action tough guy cheese uh they capture one of the gorillas, Anna, and then they go over like every, all the people they killed, and they're like, "Well, this guy wasn't. This guy looks like he's he's uh, Russian." Uh, they never say what country they're in. They're just somewhere in Central America, and, mm -hmm. and we can go into a little bit of the history of of the U.S. involvement in Central America later on. But basically, there was no diplomat, and Dutch is very upset at Dylan because this is not their work. They're like. They rescue people. They're not assassins. And they just killed all these people and stole this intel for the CIA uh, because the Soviets are planning something with the groups there. And it's like, this isn't this isn't right. You shut us up. And then Dylan's like, well, too bad. Let's let's go home. So they're like heading out. They capture Anna and Anna's trying to escape. And then she 
kind of like separates herself from them. She's running, and one guy, I think it's uh, Shane Black's character, Hawkins. Hawking. He chases. He chases her, and then something gets him. There's like blood everywhere, and he, he gets dragged away by an invisible person. And it's, spoilers, it's the predator. And they're like, "What? What killed him?" And then Anna's Anna's speak Spanish and she says that the jungle came alive and took him away and they're like arguing over what that means they think it's a gorilla they keep going I, I think this is the point where they start setting up oh no he he has them look for the body for some reason mm-hmm. and and uh, Blaine uh, Jesse Ventura who's, who has a minigun who he, he nicknamed old painless he gets like blasted like his chest explodes because the predator has like a laser cannons late like he can aim with with uh like laser sights and so he's dead and he was like best friends with a mac bill duke's character and he's like oh they killed my best friend and then he grabs uh blaine's minigun he starts shooting at the jungle they all just start shooting at the jungle they shoot everything and then they're like all right let's go check to see what we hit and then they're like we didn't hit anything so it's like oh shit we're we're dealing with some serious shit they set up a bunch of traps at night, um, but they they don't hit anything. A boar like trips the trap, and then Mac kills it, and they're all like laughing at him because like, haha, you thought that was a guy. I don't know why they were laughing at him. It's, their best friend just died, but they're laughing at him. But in the confusion, the body of their friend Blaine has been stolen. So they're like, how did this? How did this guy steal the body and not trip off any traps? He must be using the trees. So they they set up stuff in the trees. They set up a bunch of stuff and nothing. So Dutch kind of like walks out as bait and then something trips a trap next to him and it's like caught in a net. And they're like, ha, we got you. But then the predator immediately escapes and it, it's completely invisible at this point. Like they've, if they've seen anything, they've seen its eyes because its eyes glows like yellow at, at certain points. He gets away. He injures Poncho, though. Poncho has to, like, be carried. Um, and they have to get to the chopper, which is their extraction. Um, and then at this point, they're like, all right, we want revenge. So Mac goes off and chases it. And Dylan, he's like, all right, I'm going to prove... I'm going to do Mac a solid because he saved my life from a scorpion earlier. So I, I feel like I have to go help him now. He doesn't say this. I am, this is my logic. This is my headcanon. Because I don't know why Dylan would go after him, to be honest. This is the only thing that makes sense. So they go after the Predator, and they get killed. They, they they don't even have a chance. They come up with a plan, and the Predator immediately, like, kills them. And Dylan and Sonny and Anna are trying to escape, but the Predator shoots the already injured uh, Poncho, so he's dead. Sonny tries to like fight the predator on the log to, to like help everybody else escape, but he gets killed off screen. And Wait, then Sonny the actor, right? Sonny's the name of the actor. Sonny is the name of the actor. That's yeah, okay. right. Billy, Billy is Billy. his is his name. That's yeah. right. Billy, he's the Native American tracker who has one of the funniest lines in the movie, I think. Um, he's he tries to stay behind on the log and let everybody escape, but he dies off screen. And then I think Poncho gets killed. And then our uh, Dutch is like, he's only killing us when we have guns because there's no sport if he, if he shoots us when we, we're not armed. So 
Anna is trying to shoot the predator. He's like, no, don't. And he kicks the gun away from her. And then they separate and he yells at her, get to the chopper. And then she runs off. And then it's just Arnold and the predator. And he's like running and running and running. And he falls into like a lake. And he's like, oh, man, I think I escaped. And then you hear, you see like a splash of water behind him because, oh, shit, the predator's invisible. And he's right behind him. So Arnold is like, I, I don't have any guns. I don't have any anything i'm just gonna crawl away as far as i can and then he's all covered in mud and then the predator walks right by him and he's like oh he can't see me when i'm covered in mud so then arnold goes back to basics he goes back to his boy scout training (laughs) he like sharpens sticks he gets a bow and arrow ready he gets traps he gets like mud war paint on his face he's like all right i'm gonna get this predator now so he the water messes up the predator's like uh cloaking device too so he actually gets to see the predator and the predator doesn't see him so then he he trap he makes the predator like come out to him and then he like he fights him by shooting arrows at him he's, he's like hiding in the trees with his mud camouflage and the predator's like god damn it where is this guy and he keeps shooting this his like plasma gun and everything and eventually like arnold's tree like collapses and he falls into the river so now he's he doesn't have his camouflage anymore, so the predator can see him. And the predator's like, he he catches him and he picks him up, and he's way bigger than Arnold. And Arnold's a big guy, mm-hmm. like famously big guy, and the predator has like two feet over him almost. He and like, he he lifts him with one hand, one arm, with one hand, and he's and he takes off all of his like fancy guns and stuff, and he's like, I'm gonna fight you fair, even though this is not a fair fight. This is not a fair fight at all. <laughs> so he beats the shit out of Arnold in the fist fight. And he's like, all right, time to kill you. But Arnold like crawls over to a trap and the predator sees the trap. And Arnold's like, no, come on, kill me. I'm here. It's very famous line. Very funny. And the predator's like, ah, 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 I see your trap. And he walks into another trap. <laughs> and then like, this giant like log uh, like, crushes him. And then Arnold, he like, asks him what are you and then the predator has like a he can mimic voices which i think is an ability very underutilized in this Mm -hmm. movie because it literally only comes back to any form in this scene because the predator is like what the hell are you and then he starts to laugh because he triggers the self-destruct uh and he blows up but dutch runs for cover and he survives the explosion and then the helicopter that rescued anna she's on board I guess she told them where Arnold was and they pick up Arnold and they go on the helicopter and then that's the end of the movie. One of the big points that I was going to make was pretty straightforward story. Like doesn't have that many bells and whistles, gets straight to the point, And that is both a positive and a negative because I like characters, but I also like plot. I want to be surprised by it. I want to, I want escalating. I want escalation. I want interesting i want twists and turns and stuff right not every movie needs it and this movie doesn't necessarily have it and i like it but it is also and thankfully the movie's not long it's not long but i just feel like maybe the things that i saw just weren't as well done or as entertaining as in other films like for example let's talk about some of the horror elements the horror isn't really it's not scary today you know, like, I it's don't not scary. I don't think it's a scary movie nope. and it's not supposed to be like, it's not. I supposed think it to- was supposed to be, though, because when we went in, when I, I looked at some of how it was made and everything and 
McTiernan, John McTiernan, wanted it to be a horror movie. He was upset ab- about the uh, the scene where they blow everything up when they're fighting the gorillas. Mm-hmm. He did not like that. So I, I think in its intent, it was supposed to be a horror movie. Mm. I pictured, because what, from what I saw, he said that he wanted like a uh, classic gonzo American action film. And he I was wanted like, that? Yeah, I, in the in the in the video that I saw, it was the behind hmm. the scenes making of it on YouTube. Interesting. Yeah, th- okay. so that's what. It's, there's a lot of conflicting stories, which is very interesting. Well, John McTiernan is not known to be the most honest person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so which, I'm glad that you did the research for that part. I saw a little bit of it. And I'm like, oh man, I want I want to hear George tell me this story. Yeah, because it is hilarious. <laughs> We will get to that at the very end. But um, opinions change. You know, so what it seemed like was on set, he was like he wanted to make a, an action, uh, an American gonzo action film, which, I mean, that first half very much is that. But in that second half or second two thirds, the movie does become a horror film. It still has elements of action, but it definitely has the same tropes that we've seen in horror films. You've got, you know, a creature that is stalking our group, the right. group gets taken out one by one some people splinter out some try to fight back and at the very end it's the final girl versus the the villain the slasher the entity the creature you know we've seen this the michael myers yeah michael myers very much like ripley and alien Mm -hmm. the queen alien both of them so this does have those hard tropes now i think the problem with this movie is that or not the problem but something i did notice was the deaths aren't really that satisfying in terms of the actual the mercenaries the military group and the kills aren't really that like innovative do you know what i mean like you watch michael like you yeah. watch that original halloween that came out when did that original halloween came out come out in like the 70s i think 1978 so like you know halloween came out in 1978 and like the very beginning of the movie starts with a gruesome death murder right the michael kills right. his parents uh, the camera has that POV underneath the clown clown mask. And that's kind of, I, I mean, Halloween does not have that much blood, but it uses right. its kills really innovatively. And like, mm-hmm. even having seen that movie a few years ago, you could still remember like, oh, there's the, the, the one at the very beginning of the film, the one where he sticks the knife through the guy and he stays hanging up the side of the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where he's like, like dressed up as a ghost. Mm-hmm. And the woman's like, what are you doing? Oh, you want to, you know? And then he like chokes her out with the telephone. Like, yeah, I, the- I feel like it has more like memorable visuals you know what i mean yes like the way things are framed is like like the the way that it uses the first person thing that was something that was a i feel like it was a a big deal you know because i think movies did that before but that was something that was like well it was a long take too yeah and it's like oh we're watching we're watching the murder through the murderer's eyes yeah that is Ugh. that is fucking gruesome you know mm-hmm. that's that's not done a lot of times and no i think that that way you put it the visuals and i and don't get me wrong i think some of the visuals in this movie hold up really well like the fact that this was shot in a real jungle some of, some of the cinematography is really beautiful especially like at night you know when like they have the big explosions yeah, and you've I, got the predator standing in the foreground i think the the visuals look better towards when Arnold is the final girl, when like yeah. it's just Dutch versus the, the Predator, that's when I think the visuals of the film are like, all right, yes. But before that, before that, it's just that point when Bill Duke, it, well, it's the it's the 
the the handshake, mm-hmm. right? That's like the ve- very memorable visual image. Yeah. And the scene of Carl Weathers discovering uh, Bill Duke's dead body. Yeah. Because it goes that, that crazy like zoom in on his face. And then he's like, oh shit, I'm fucked now. Yeah. And then he gets his arm cut off and there's a shot of his arm falling on, on the jungle floor. You know, I feel like that's that's good cinematography that's memorable like visual imagery but mm-hmm. how bill pope dies eh. bill pope how... bill duke bill duke god who is bill pope why do i keep saying bill that pope name? is a cinematographer that's right thank you bill duke when mac he when mac dies it's kind of like a, oh he sees the that's when we know that the predator has like laser uh, assisted mm-hmm. aiming right mm-hmm. but when jesse ventura dies it's just kind of like oh he's dead now it's it's not satisfying because uh, Jesse Ventura is like a really big guy, right? Yeah, like he used to be a wrestler. You know, he would fight Hulk Hogan and stuff. You'd expect the Predator to to like overpower him or something to to mm-hmm. let us know that this thing is really really strong. Yeah. But instead, he just kind of gets shot from an from, invisible guy from behind with the, with the fucking aimbot from behind. You yeah. know, it's yeah. like. <laughs> and, and and by visuals, I don't mean the gore effects and stuff, because the gore effect with Jesse Ventura's death is really awesome. And, and like with Bill Duke's death too, like the blood gets on the camera, it it looks really cool. But I, I'm talking about that memorability with certain deaths, right? Like I remember, right. like I was saying with the Halloween one. And I mean, okay, Hawkins gets dragged into the jungle. I mean, that's fine. I'm fine with Hawkins dying like that because he's, he's the, f- the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get the cool shot of Arnold walking through the jungle as the camera like, you know, uh, booms up. And then you get the reveal of what of where Hawkins is at. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. OK, I get that. Cool. But then Jesse Ventura too, like the biggest guy with the biggest gun, he gets killed like that behind his back with an automated. It's like okay, Bill Duke. It's kind of like anticlimactic almost. Kind of Bill Duke's death. There was a bit of anticipation for it, and it is really gory. Okay, it's solid one. And then you get Carl Weathers' death, which I thought was really cheesy and corny. Which is like, yes, this mm-hmm. is an '80s action corny film. Okay, I get that, but I don't think it was necessary. There's a lot of corniness in this movie, and yeah, some of I it I the, really like. The, I think the, the the corniness with his death I like because his arm, you know, the same arm that we we got the shot of of him flexing with Arnold, mm-hmm. is the arm that's just like disembodied, flying across the jungle, still shooting the gun. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think it was fine. I I just it was filmed with so much slow motion, but that's a preference thing, right? And then you've yeah. got and then you've got Billy's death, which was done off camera, which very unsatisfying. The whole film, he's the one who kind of senses that something's wrong, right? He gets like a vibe. Yeah. He's like, yeah. something's wrong here. Like he's the one that keeps staring into the forest and like something's wrong. Like something is staring at us. Fue la selva que se lo llevó. ¿Qué más quieres que te diga? She says the same fucking thing. The jungle that came alive and took him. Billy. You know something. What is it? I'm scared, Pancho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. We're all gonna die. Yeah. And so he decides to go mano y mano with versus the predator. Or whatever. He he doesn't even know what it really is. He's like, I'm 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 gonna take this knife. He just knows it's not human. Yeah, 
And I mean, don't get me. It's what happens to him. It's, it's kind of scary because it leaves it up to you. And then the next time you see Billy, it's his like corpse and his, his spine and his skull being pulled out. That's a, that's a great visual right there. I'll give you that. It feels like, uh, that would have been a cool scene to see. It's one that you would, I feel like you'd expect to see in a movie because now the predator is like, I don't care about, you know, being sneaky. They know I'm here. I'm fighting everybody all at once now. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would ex- expect to see that that showdown, you know, so that when Arnold fights him, then, you know, oh, he's really strong. I don't think Arnold's going to do it. Maybe you can't. Oh, oh, he's not going to do it. OK, well, and here's and here's why I, I have mixed feelings about this movie, because on one hand, I agree. I think having Billy fight the Predator in a scene, it would have been awesome. I think it would have been cool. He's one of the first characters that recognizes what this is. Yeah. And he he has that whole thing where he has the machete and he like cuts himself. Yeah. And looks at the blood. That's like, all right, this guy's ready to fight. Yeah. You know, now. Now, here's the thing. I do want to see that fight. On the other hand, that scene is still kind of memorable because we don't and we hear his scream. And it's it is. I mean, nobody sees Billy fight the predator, but it's a memorable scene. Right. It That is it, true. That it is. is true. It, it's like that. You know, you don't show the shark until you're ready to show the shark at the very end. So so that's the weird thing. It's like half and half. Like, yeah. I, I, I wanted to see Billy fight the predator, but there's also you know, pros to not showing it. I've I've seen this movie before, and I I forgot that you don't see him die. Yeah, I, same here. <laughs> it's kind of like the horrors that you make in your head are scarier than what you actually see, and this that scene kind of proves that because a lot of people yeah. remember it. So there, there's merit to to the way he they handled it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I also, because some of the other deaths were a little anticlimactic, I felt uh, I got some blue balls where I was like, fuck, I really want to see Billy go at, go at this guy. But maybe yeah. it might have taken away something from Arnold's side of the fight at the end. I, I feel maybe, conflicted. I don't know. I feel like you could have it both ways. You could, I feel like yeah. you could have it both ways. Uh, because I, I, after it's just Arnold and the Predator... Which is like soon after Billy gets killed, right? Then I think the movie like really picks up. I don't think this movie would be beloved, would have a franchise and all this like a sequel in 2022 if it weren't for the last third of the movie. I will agree with you. I think the beginning is cool. Very straightforward. Very commando. Second half is okay. Or the the second third is okay. You know, I've seen this done a, with a little bit more finesse in other horror films, but I still dig it. But that last third, oh, incredible! It's great. Yeah. And what's so great about it too is that that movie, that that section of the movie has very little dialogue. If anything, it's just Arnold saying a few words to himself when he's oh. getting everything together. Now, granted, everything he says at that point is is a classic line in cinema history. And I will say You're this: ugly motherfucker. I'll say this: I did not know. That so many of his one-liners came from this movie. <laughs> like Arnold Schwarzenegger has so many one-liners. I mean, he's he's built a career off of his one-liners mm-hmm. across various films, across multiple genres. But I did not know that so many of them came from this film. So many. It just, so many. So many, especially from that last third. It was like, come on, do it. Do it, you know, and oh, and then 
the one where he's like, you're one ugly motherfucker. And the way he says it, the way he delivers it, perfect. That's what makes it a one-liner. You know, anyone could say that. But the way yeah. he says it there is what makes it something that people write in their yearbooks. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not in their it's, yearbooks, but... It's lived so long. And what's funny, too, is get to the chopper. Like, mm-hmm. he delivers some of the other one-liners, like, you know, stick around, you know, uh, you're one ugly motherfucker. He says it. And he kind of knows, like, okay, this is supposed to be a cool line. And he knows how to deliver it. But there's some mm-hmm. other lines where he's like, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Or it's like, get to the chopper, where he's not trying to make it a one-liner. I don't think he is. I think he's just performing the line as it, you know, he's just performing the line he normally would. And it still turns out to be a banger. I'm like, <laughs> this is great. Like, ah, uh, so many one-liners. And so many of his famous one-liners come from this movie. It's incredible. Like, this mm. movie, it's worth watching this movie just for that. So you It's can be a like, piece of history. Yeah. Because I always figured that all those lines, like, get to the chopper, uh, you're one ugly motherfucker, uh, if it bleeds, we could kill it. Like, I thought they all came from different movies. It turns out they're <laughs> from the same one. And I'm just even naming a few of them. There's still a lot more. Dylan! You, you son, son of, of a, a bitch. bitch. <laughs> you know, it's it's great. The satisfaction that I didn't get from some of the kills, I got from the one-liners. I would agree with that. Even some of the other one-liners, like, I ain't got time to bleed. Oh. Like, that's that's a dumb, that's a dumb line. Because bleeding and the t- passage of time are not mutually exclusive events. And then the, the poncho's reaction to it is like, okay, you're, you're nuts. You're insane. I think that makes it really funny. And enjoyable. I was going to say, that's my favorite line from the entire movie. <laughs> I ain't got time to bleed. Does it make any logical sense? But you get that you understand that this guy would say something like that. I mean, with everything he's else he said, that yeah, line but... in the helicopter where he's like, this is going to make you a sexual Tyrannosaurus Rex, just like me. Like, of course he would say Jesus something like Christ. that. Jesus Christ. That's a character thing. And it I is like a character it. thing. Yeah. It, I, and I like it. And it's, it, you know, it's, is it machismo? Absolutely. But I, you know, I mean, that's what this movie is, partly. So I'm like, you're selling mm-hmm. me a product and I know what this product is and you're doing a good job at it, if that makes any sense. I feel like uh, that, all that machismo and how invincible they seem because they're fighting a group that really can't even fight back. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's why the predator kills need to be like better. Yeah, you know I mean, that's that's what makes it like frustrating because the part of the the movie is these are all tough guys and they they can't they can't be tougher than this alien. You know, yes. all their toughness is not going to save them. All of their weapons won't save them. All of their uh, machismo won't save them, you know. And- Absolutely. And I mean, that that's a good point. It's that first half an hour is meant to establish that these guys are tough. They are invincible. They are the best of the best. They go through that outpost like nothing. Arnold lifts up the back of this truck, <laughs> curling. He puts an explosive, you know, and like visually it's sold to to be like they are the best. Like they are a cannon. Whenever Wait, Arnold, strong, sh- strong yeah, guys. W- whenever they're shooting, they're automatic weapons. You get cuts. You get shots of just explosions going off. So you're really sold on the idea that they are unstoppable. But you've got something even stronger than that. I feel like you need to show that off. You need to... The deaths had to be more brutal. 
Mm-hmm. They had to be in your face, and they had to be more gruesome, in my opinion. And more, at least more visual. Like, we should be able to see the Predator's strengths. But, like, for the, the part where they're, the Predator's invisible, you can't really see it. He's just, like, invisible, sniping them. And, you know, it's, like, not as as scary, you know? Because when the alien, like, if you have, like, the alien, the way the alien hunts, you have the motion tracker to track it so you know when it's close. It's blood is acidic. The way you find out information, I feel like, is delivered in a more satisfying way for for an audience. Yeah, Predator. I feel like it's it's you're not getting enough until the very end. The very end. Which that ending does a great job, right? Right. It's a great ending. I mean, and this goes back to how I feel. Like the best part of the movie is the ending. So technically, if the best part is the ending. Does that mean that the film did a good job because it, y- y- it got to want, that point? It got to, it got us to that point and it ended on a really strong fucking note. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can make the argument that that is what a film is supposed to do. Like it's it does all this setup and it has this huge payoff where everybody you and I both feel completely satisfied and it created this entire franchise out of this creature. And it's like, well, yeah, you did a good job. I wish everything else had been just <laughs> slightly better. But, I mean, at that point, I'm just complaining that I don't have enough frosting or enough sprinkles on my ice cream. No, man. The, the, I think the, the frosting and the sprinkles is is perfect, right? That's what the ending is. It's the stuff in the middle that's, like, lacking a little bit, you know? You can make both arguments, and that's why I feel so <laughs> weird about this movie, you know? I think it's, like, a good movie, right? I think it's solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but there's a points in the in the movie where I'm like, mm, why do people like this again? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like moments of that where I'm like, he's he's singing. Lo- what's the song? Long t- long time Sally. What's what's that song that he's singing? Yeah, long long tall Sally. He's playing that that song on the radio when they're in the helicopter. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then and then after he Jesse Ventura's character dies. Uh, Mac is looking up at the moon and he's like talking about his time with with uh, Jesse Ventura's character. It's like really cheesy. And then yeah. the boar attacks him and then they're like laughing at him. It's, it's like, who are these people? Like, I don't like them. They're just like stereotypes. Uh, and, th- and then when he's like loading the gun, he's singing the song again. It's it just feels like cartoonish. And I don't I don't like them. No, 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 fair enough. And and to that point, I mean, yeah, it can be very cartoonish and the characters can be unlikable. In the end of the day, you know, someone's like, well, if that's what he's going for, something that's a bit more cartoonish, then it succeeded. And you're like, well, I, yeah, that that's true. Now, with the unlikable characters, it's tough because it is an action horror film, right? And it's not an action film like Commando where you're clearly supposed to admire Arnold Schwarzenegger as the good guy. You know, I think we this movie kind of does that, but it also kind of makes them seem like assholes. And not by yeah. going in and shooting a bunch of people. Like are, like I mean, like who are they shooting at? Well, that's the well, and that's what pisses Arnold off. The fact that they don't find glee in it. Like, Dutch is upset. Arnold Schwarzenegger's upset. He's like, look, man, we're not assassins. We're rescuing people, and you lied to us. And and mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, Dutch says, I trusted you. Oh, my God. I think this is what you're looking for. You sell, sell! It's all bullshit. All of it. 
The cabinet minister, the whole business. Got us in here to do your dirty work. Look, we just stopped a major invasion, and three days they'd have been across the border with this stuff. Why us? Because nobody else could have pulled it off. You pissed about the cover story. I knew I couldn't get you in here without it. So what story did you hand to Hapa? Look, we've been looking for this place for months. My men were in that chopper when it got hit. Hopper's orders were to go in and get my men, and he disappeared. He didn't disappear. He was skinned alive. And my orders were to get somebody and who could crack these bastards. So you cooked up a story and dropped the six of us in a meat grinder. What happened to you, Dylan? You used to be somebody I could trust. I woke up. Why don't you? You're an asset. An expendable asset. And I used you to get the job done. Got it? My men are not expendable. And I don't do this kind of work. Major! Right, so yeah, he does say that, but I think he it's a bit of he is having fun killing those people. Mm, I wouldn't say fun. I don't think I they're don't having I don't think I don't think Dutch is having fun. I'll say that now. Jesse Ventura's <laughs> character. Yeah, the other guys, they're like when uh, Bill Bill Duke is looking up at the moons, talking about these the good old days when they like killed everybody. And it was just him, him and Jesse Ventura walking out with not a scratch on him. Like it's like. Oh my god, what is who are yeah. these people? But my defense to that would be that horror film does do this does this all the time. You'll have a whole bunch of horrible people in horror films. That is true. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, yes, you could have a nice group of camper of kids going out of camp, but man, you've got those assholes that are just mean to the main character, just doing a bunch of shit that they shouldn't and it's on some level it is satisfying to see them die. You know, so it's, yeah. you know, it, it, and, it's and that, you don't get the, but in this movie, you don't get the satisfaction of them dying. Yes. Which, which goes back to, yeah. And even those like, you know, like Friday the 13th or Halloween, man, they get it bad. Like those kids die in a horrible way. And you're like, holy shit. Even Nightmare of Elm Street. Holy shit. You talk about visual kills. I don't think they get much better than Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street has like. Very memorable deaths. Very violent. Very visceral. Even uh, the deaths that are like supposed to be the like B, C tier characters are horrifying. That first mm-hmm. kill in night in the original Nightmare on Elm Street fucked me up, and I saw that as a grown adult. Yeah, it's and like you're you're with that guy who they all think is a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. So they all think he probably killed her. Yeah, you know, but you know. That's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so and the, they, you know that those kids don't even know what's about to happen. They, they don't even you don't even they don't even know what they're dealing with. The way you phrased it, the visuals are really important and I think some of them are lacking here because I mean, shit, Nightmare on I said Halloween, but think of Nightmare on Elm Street, the hand coming out of the bathtub, Johnny Depp's mm-hmm. death in that movie getting sucked into the bed. <laughs> Now, now I will say, you know, you can't necessarily do that in the jungle and stuff like that. But, but you know, just it's just it's just something to keep in mind. Personally, for me, that was just something that I noticed. But um, it's still enjoyable, and you know, the the action is still bombastic and crazy and worth watching, in my opinion. The one liners are incredible, and that ending is badass. It's, it's fucking good. incredible. Have so, you seen Prey? 
I have not. Damn, dude. You did? Okay. Okay. I watched it because I wanted to, in prep, like, because, you know, we're talking about doing the Patreon. We're talking about doing uh, reviews of more modern films. Yes. Um, and I wanted to kind of compare the two. And Prey is very much like the last half of, uh, of the last third of Predator, where you have somebody who's trying to figure out the Predator and use means that aren't all you know advanced technology and mm-hmm. fancy guns and stuff you know they're just they're using the land to, to fight back which is interesting because this movie right it it very much establishes the fact that raw strength and technology may not always get you as far as you think it can because these men yeah. use everything other tactics other military training in terms of weaponry like they set up claymores uh, they they mowed out the jungle. That now now when you want to talk about visuals, that visual of the guys shooting the jungle is incredible. Like with all the men, like with the minigun, all of them just unloading for minutes on end. That that's a memorable scene, and because and it's memorable because of the because of what comes afterwards. Where they're like, we didn't hit shit. That was nothing. We did nothing. <laughs> they, you know they yeah they hit the predator a little bit. They didn't even was, know if they hit the Predator. Yeah, at that point. So when you're fighting the Predator, you really can't rely on your raw strength. You really have to rely on your cunning intellect and your strategy, right? I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. how Arnold... I, I haven't seen Prey, but that's how Arnold beats the Predator. He makes mm-hmm. a... He kind of lays out a trap that doubles as a, as a second trap, right? Like you think, yeah. oh, this trap, this little trigger is going to activate this trap. Oh, no. It triggers this other trap where the predator well, was going to... I think it was all one trap, but in avoiding the trap, he still fell for the trap. Yes. And the fact right? that, you know, he finds that he learns that mud can cover, cover up his, you know, thermal heat signature, which I don't know is a real thing or not, but, you know, that's I what mean, the movie... I mean, we don't know what exactly technology, what exact technology the predator is using. So maybe mud yeah. interferes with their vision. Yeah. Which, hey, right? that, the, the movie says okay this is a rule and it's like all right we'll we'll buy it which, so, which i'm fine with i'm, yeah, fine, I'm, with I'm fine with 100 so and you know you have to give arnold some some chance to fight back and even at the end arnold one of the strongest guys in hollywood i don't know in the whole world but i mean he not in the whole world he's he's he, i mean top he's 100 presented, he's presented as a very strong guy in all of his movies and even he can't he can't fight the predator because the predator's just too strong, and I I like how Prey, the new Hulu film, kind of takes that and it's like, all right, let's let's make a film around this idea, you know, where you have a character who, I mean, I don't know how tall she is, but she does not look anywhere near as tall as like the predator that they have in the film, mm-hmm. and you have like a bunch of guys saying like, you're not as strong, you you can't take it, and it's like, okay, maybe that's true. But that's not what she's going to rely on. I like that. And it makes me excited to yeah. see that new Prey. But I think that's what makes that last third so exciting. It's like you're not just seeing a guy shoot a bunch of bullets, you know, and hope that he hits an organ, an important one. You're seeing this man <laughs> put these pieces together, execute on the plan, and, and it coming through, through. Which is one yeah. of my favorite things about the film. What this movie does lack in, like plot lines 
the movie does place a large emphasis on seeing the process. And what I mean by that is not in the first half, but like in the second and third part, you start seeing kind of how their brains work. And it's like, okay, I want you to set up a perimeter. I want to set up a trap. And you see them laying those traps and how the predator is able to get out of them. And leading in from the second act to the third act, where everybody has died except Arnold and he's on his own, you get an extended sequence of him kind of getting every all of his assets together and him setting up everything. The traps, the bow and arrows with like the explosive uh, powder in it. I like that focus on process because it's something that also makes another film that John McTiernan stands out. Die Hard. Die Hard is kind of like that. Like when it's interesting because when we think of classic action films, we think of something that is relentlessly action packed. Like it is a it is like the Bourne Ultimatum. There's a car chase, a nonstop car chase through the streets with a bunch of accidents and flips and that's it. But what John McTiernan does in Predator and Die Hard is that he has these characters that are like underpowered and he'll show you the process of how they get all their assets together. And that process is here as well. And I don't know why, but I really like seeing that. It's like you're you're seeing the character's thought process without them telling you what they're doing. Yes. And this movie 100% does that. Like there's a like a five, ten minute stretch where he's like be, between the last line he says, uh, he can't see me, you know, when he's like covered in mud. And then when he's mm-hmm. like getting everything together and then he'll say like a throwaway line. I forgot what the line was, but it's it's not even a line. It's not even exposition. He's like, oh, when he steps here, this will happen. He doesn't do that. He's like, I'll get you, you son of a bitch or something like that. <laughs> but the whole entire time you're seeing him kind of work, get his process together, set up his traps. And you don't even know really what his overall plan is. You're just seeing him get ready. So when the final fight does happen, you're trying to figure out, okay, what's his plan? What's going to happen? I've seen I've seen everything he's gathered. I know his inventory. How's he going to execute? So when he does crawl by that tree, he's like, come on, do it. <laughs> we know, oh, the predator's supposed to do this and that's supposed to, oh, he's not doing it. He's like, I love about that is he sees like the the obvious trap and he's like touching the 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 spikes and he's like, oh, this is cute. You thought you're gonna get me with this? Uh, uh-uh. I'll just walk around. <laughs> he's like taunting Arnold at that point. It's so funny. <laughs> I like that focus on process because it makes scenes like that really cool and suspenseful because you know the yeah. predator needs to go through it, but when the predator notices, no, no, no. Yeah, but what I will say though is that there are three different trap montages in the film mm-hmm. i think the third one is the best one and it's the most yes. satisfying but the mm-hmm. other two are kind of like why are they doing this why don't they just get to the chopper i think at that point they're, they think it's human and they're trying to figure out what is attacking us because they have no idea they they've heard you know some of the characters say it's the jungle you know someone says oh i, I saw its eyes but only for a little bit. So I think they're really trying to figure out what this is, right? And why do they want to figure it out, though? General curiosity. See, like, that's that's one thing I don't like about the movie is I don't think that there are any... There's nothing that's keeping the characters there. Whereas, like, in Aliens, they try to leave, but their ship goes down, so they're trapped there. I agree. Like, Alien makes a better justification. Alien and Aliens makes a better justification for why things go down the way they do. Predator doesn't, but it still harkens back to that horror trope that's like, 
the characters are a little too curious. And it could be annoying. I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, it could be very annoying. But like, I feel like there needs to be a voice of reason. In, mm-hmm. in There's always a voice of reason in these horror groups. Yes. So it's like you don't feel isolated as the audience. Yeah. Right? Like, when you in Evil Dead, they're in the cabin because the in the, the, the sequel, Evil Dead, like the remake one, they're in the, in the cabin in the woods because their friend is trying to get off of her addiction. Yes. So when she says she wants to leave, they think, oh, she's trying to relapse. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it, it makes some, some sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. In, in Predator, I'm like, they don't need to trap this thing. They don't need mm-hmm. to wait around. They could just keep going and extract, especially towards the end yeah. when uh, they figure out it's taking us out one at a time. And then they split up to go look in the jungle for yeah. for when the it's they say it's going to be here in 5 minutes and the character who says that is the one that decides to go back and help the guy that he doesn't like because they have and like when I said when I was um retelling the story the only thing that makes sense to me is that the guy killed a scorpion that may have bitten him so he feels some kind of obligation to go help the guy well they have he, a they have a strange relationship because remember earlier he's like you're ghosting us if you give if you give away our position, I'll may, I'll bleed you. Quiet. Right, and it's like I don't care who you are out in the world. Yeah, and they kind of <laughs> don't like Carl Weathers' character. They don't like Dylan. Right. So it but, it is like a weird. It, that was a moment where it's like, wait, why are you going to find him? Is yeah. It because of that how they thing? go from like that point to the point where I am going to risk extracting to go save this guy. It just, it's like, it, it bugs me. Like, I, I feel like if um, they tried to leave and they, it took out the chopper, then I would be more sympathetic with the characters. I may not like them, but I would want them to, to survive. You know, I would mm-hmm. sympathize with them and empathize with them. I'd be more into what happens to them. If that make, Does that make sense? No, no, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Uh-huh. Yeah, you'd be you'd be like, man, this predator is fucking them all up, and now they really don't have a choice. They're stuck in the jungle, kind of like with Alien, where it's like, oh, we're right. ship's not working. We have to deal with this, right? And then the the way that the gorilla is just suddenly on their side, like yeah. at first it's like, okay, she's just trying to survive because she knows that thing out there isn't human, right? But then towards the end, she gets to the chopper, mm-hmm. and she made it because she's there at the end. Like, how would that look? Like, if you're if you're if you're part of the the major's um, helicopter, like you're in a U.S. helicopter, and you see a gorilla running at you, mm-hmm. I, it's a it's a weird. Look. <laughs> it's it's weird. Like I don't. It's like little little things that that kind of like they don't make much sense. And like mm-hmm. it's it's an action movie. There's some things that it's okay well, if it doesn't make sense. Yes. Like the mud covering the thermal vision. That's fine. That, that, that's you know, hundred percent. But this is like I'm I'm enjoying the movie. But if you look too closely at it, just even a little bit more closely at it, it kind of like hurts the 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 tension and suspense of the of the movie. Does that does that make sense? No, no, it does. I, I see exactly where you're coming from. And you're making good points. And I think that's kind of the overall impression. I think both of us have where it's like, yeah, pretty cool. Don't look too close closely at it. The ending is just really good. So it's like I'm willing to just um, if you if I have to say the movie's good or bad, I'm gonna say it's good because of that ending. And because yeah. of how much I laughed at the one-liners towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great P 
piece of history, like yeah. of cinematic history. Yeah, and it's it's a cool mashup too between action and horror. Now you know, could it have been better? You can make the argument. Sure. Oh, is it sure? Is sure, it the pinnacle of action horror? I mean, honestly, I can't really I would... think of too many other action horror films. So yeah, this might be top because <laughs> the, the competition is slim. Yeah, but but <laughs> but it is an look. interesting mashup. You have an action film that's combined with a horror film. Those are those are kind of not opposite, but pretty far from each other. Action yeah, and I, horror. And the I think that the like I think I said this earlier the the fact that you have like these really strong guys get mm-hmm. destroyed like this. I feel like that was a bigger deal back then. Like, if you were a kid and you see Jesse Ventura in the movie, and it's like, oh, hell yeah, Jesse Ventura is going to body slam an alien. And he gets fucked up. He doesn't even have a chance. Yeah. You know, I feel like that was a much bigger deal back then. Yeah. Like, even and you said, I don't know if Arnold's going to make it out in this movie. And it's yeah. like, maybe other people thought that when they when they went to go see this movie. Yeah. And there's a, there's a section where he gets fucked up. The Predator is yeah. toying with him. And you, you honestly don't even know if the Predator's using all of his strength. Press just toying with him. That that beatdown that Arnold got from the Predator was pretty violent. Because it it shows you from the perspective of the Predator. So you just hear Arnold. You just hear the punches. You hear Arnold reacting to them, screaming at them. And you just see the heat vision. And and you get these like random smash cuts to like Arnold like spitting blood and stuff. You're like, holy shit, this is pretty violent. Ugly motherfucker. The Predator has a personality that, that comes out here. Because yes. earlier on in the film, it's just kind of like an invisible thing shooting shooting at them, you know? But here, the Predator is mad. The Predator yeah. is mad that he got tricked earlier. So he's yeah. taking it out on Arnold, showing him, you never had me. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he. That's very much the attitude that he has. And yeah, man, you know, that, that beatdown that Arnold got reminded me of the one that Toby got in Spider-Man <laughs> where it's just like, holy shit. I'll say this. Toby looked way worse than Arnold did at the end of this movie. Arnold oh, should have yeah, looked sure. worse. I was like, Arnold does not look that bad for like mm-hmm. how many punches he just got from a fucking predator. The, the technology of the predator is really interesting. It's like really cool. Like as a, you know, someone who's into sci-fi, but I feel like it was a little underused in the towards the beginning of the film. The way that he can track and mimic mm-hmm. voices, like, I feel like it could have been like a really interesting 
scare in the movie, but I feel like it was a fake out and then doesn't really come back until the very end. Yeah. Well, you could, I mean, the easiest way you could implement that is him, like, you know, picking up, you know, taking, like, Max's voice and calling, like, Dylan. Be like, Dylan! Dylan! You know, and that actually... Yeah. And, and it's funny because that's kind of what happens. I mean, Dylan's looking for Max. But it ends up Mac. actually being Mac. Yeah, yes! Exactly! Dylan's getting called by Mac, but Dylan can't find him. And it's kind of leading you to, like, oh my god, what's what's Mac? Is Mac dead? Is Mac, like, what? What? why is Mac... Right like whispering right. that could have been an interesting moment where the predator was using Mac's voice kill and to lord dylan in and or or it could have used blaine's voice and it would play like psychological warfare on mac because yeah. mac and blaine were best friends you know there's that whole scene where he's talking to the moon about all the good times he had with blaine right yeah a scene that just kind of it's for me it's weird right mm -hmm. but how you could reconcile that at least for me is have the predator see that see like oh that guy was like in love with blaine i yep. bet i could fuck with that guy if i yep. used blaine's voice you know what mm -hmm. i mean like damn and and blaine's body was not recovered right so 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 max like no blaine's out there it's like no he's dead we saw him die it's like no but i hear his voice it's not his voice and they're like how could this how could this creature take his voice that would have been dope, dude. So, something like, like something like you, that. I see exactly where you're coming from. Like if if you could see some of the personality and the cunning of the predator earlier, like in that middle part where we both have issues with it, I feel like it would be like rightfully up there as like a sci-fi horror masterpiece. Yeah, you know? I think it needed to make that leap. And I, from the production of the film, I feel like I don't know. Maybe it could have done that, but. You know, filming in the jungles is hard. Yeah. So it's... this this was a difficult shoot. And I mean, John McTiernan does lean more into action than horror, right? If you would have given mm -hmm. this movie to like Wes Craven, very different beast. The horror might have, I'm sure the horror would have stood out a hundred times more. The action might have faltered. And would that ending have been as cool? I don't know. It's a tough project to direct because number one, you have a, a smash-up of action and horror, and you're filming it in the fucking jungle, which we all know fucking sucks. I saw the some of the behind-the-scenes. I mean, it sounds like we're moving on to the behind-the-scenes. Yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, the, the, so they filmed this movie in Mexico, but they filmed it in some deep jungles. And they were like, and even John McTernan was like, look, man, we had to get rid of uh, get rid of a lot of the foliage we had to like chop down leaves and stuff because you couldn't see anywhere you couldn't see past four feet and he's like just filmically it doesn't look good so a lot of the time was spent there and they filmed on a lot of hills so a lot and did you notice mm. that there's very little like actual flat area a lot of the movies not you say that yeah a lot of the movie they're like 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 scurrying down a hill or like climbing mm. up it's very little flat area. So they were like, the actors were talking about how exhausting that was. Like, you're never, yeah. you can't sit down. You know, number one, you're in a jungle. You don't know what's on the floor. And number two, you can't even like properly sit. And and just the camp, placing the camera and stuff. And I think even John got hurt. He almost broke his hand because he was like, oh my God. I grabbed the tree to try to hold myself and the tree broke. So and I fell over, spray, sprained my arm or, and he was wearing a, mm -hmm. he was wearing like a, not a cast, but like a, some bandages and stuff. 
you're like, fuck, this is terrible, you know? Oh, yeah. And also the heat. The heat. Know? Heat is... And all that sweat, I think it was all legit. That yeah. was not movie magic. And also <laughs> something that people need to keep in mind is you're filming in this environment, but you're you're not, you don't have the big, nice equipment that we have now. This is 87. Right. You're filming on film cameras. Mm-hmm. Right? They're heavy. Heavy. Heavy cameras. When you pull focus, because like, I, I mean, I don't know how they do it exactly. I'm sure they still like tape measure it and stuff, but you, you know, your your focus puller has a little monitor and they could see it, you know. Then you, you couldn't have to. You had to tape measure it. You had to measure the distance from the camera to the actors. And you had to make your points. And that's how you pulled focus. You you don't have these giant monitors and everything. So it well, was even uh, let's, harder. Let's make it uh, easier for people who aren't familiar with pulling focus to, to understand what we're saying. Yeah. So, you know, you'll have a cinematographer and they'll they'll place the camera down. They'll decide, okay, the camera's going to go from here. And from this angle, we're going to see the actor go from point A to point B. Right? And right. that's what this, and the cinematographer's job is to put the camera there and to light it. You know, however they need to. The focus puller's job is to worry and focus on the the focus ring, which is essentially just keeping every keeping the actor in focus. Whatever right? like the the subject is. Yeah. So maybe maybe you're the the character is walking across and then they notice something in the distance, right? And then for the camera to see that, you have to change focus from the actor to whatever they're looking at. Yeah. So it's it's a very complicated job. And oftentimes you're not able to see what you're what you're focusing on if you're the focus puller because yeah. there's there's no monitor like like George was saying so they're they're gonna just have to know based on the the dial that they're they're turning yeah they well, just uh, have to know what where to turn it for it to be correct yeah well when what they do I mean I'm I think they still do it now I'm sure they still do it nowadays but like back in the day you had to grab a tape measure and go from from the camera all the way to the, where the actors are. So, you know, oh, actor Arnold Schwarzenegger is 10 feet from the camera. Okay, that's where my focus, this is where my focus has to be at, 10 feet. And when he goes from point A, at point A, he's at 10 feet from the camera. When he gets to point B, he's at 5 feet. So I have to adjust for 5 feet, right? If he doesn't, then Arnold Schwarzenegger is just going to get it out of focus. Can't have that. And, ca- and I don't know if a lot of you know, but cameras aren't, don't do this automatically. I mean, some cameras will, but modern cameras do. Modern cameras do, but you know, a lot of the professionals still don't have that. And cameras back then did not have that either. And you didn't have the luxury of having a little tiny monitor that you could put and do that. Even, even nowadays, you know, you have a wireless focus pull, meaning the focus puller, the person adjusting the focus doesn't have to. They, they don't have to stand next to the camera. They could stand a little bit away from it, a few feet away. Back in the day, you no, that shit was analog. <laughs> yeah. So you had to be right next to the camera and pull focus. So mm-hmm. it's those kind of things that, that people forget. But and they're they out to... there in the using natural light. So if Ooh. you mess up, we got to do it again. And the day is not going to wait. You know, the sun has its own schedule. It's, it does the same thing every day. You know, it's not it's not going to reset to its earlier position. So the longer things take, the lighting changes. And then, oh, that's the day is gone. 
we have to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Hopefully nothing else will go wrong. Oh, and all that film that we filmed on, no good. Hopefully we don't run out of film <laughs> on this yeah. project. And also carrying and loading film. I mean, now you have nowadays you have SSD cards or red cards or red mags, you know, tiny, tiny cartridges that you could put in and out of the camera. Really easy. How much does one weigh? Less than a pound, maybe? Or maybe one pound? Camera, film stock, weighed a lot more. And you had to fucking carry that through this goddamn jungle. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. And that's one. That's just the camera we're talking about. We're not talking about all the stunts. We're not talking about everything the crew had to do to just even get to these parts of the jungle. Catering talent is a fucking nightmare so when we are, when we say filming in the jungle sucks we really mean it it fucking sucks and this movie oh, had yeah. to deal with that and oh, yeah. i did want to highlight one of the people that had to deal with it in a very unique way was the actor who played the predator oh yes uh the original see the predator that we see in the film today uh oh, was well, the made from a whole the, other thing yeah yeah it's made from the the are you going to talk about the the one that we see in the film or the first one? Because well, I have I have I have information about the first one. Yeah, well, I let's actually let's talk about the Predator, and then I'll get to the actor later. Okay. So this movie, the the Predator that we see in the actual film, was not the first design. This was actually later on when they brought in someone famous, someone we've spoken about before, someone very famous. But the original design of the Predator was kind of janky, kind of bad. <laughs> I think everyone unanimously agreed that it was not good at all. Right, because they the, the the original predator had like a bug head. It looked like an ant. It and because they knew the predator was going to be invisible for part of it, the predator had there was like two different costumes. One for like when the predators you can actually see it, and the other one for when it was invisible. The invisible one was like all red. It it reminded me of like a like a kaiju monster or something. <laughs> Mm-hmm, it, yeah. that's just how it looked it looked really cheesy and stuff and the one that wasn't red didn't really look a lot better yeah the one in red was used for visual effects right so yeah. we hear all about green screen and blue screen why because a lot of clothing that most people wear usually doesn't have that same hue that like green screen or blue screens will have right right but because in the jungle you have a bunch of green and a lot of blue green for the leaves and blue for the for the sky they're like let's get the complete opposite let's get red that's why the first cost the the first suit was in red right just to make it easier to go into the computer and remove that actor yeah i think what they did was they would shoot the the shot with the the guy in red and they would shoot the same shot with nothing so that they could do like a, a composite of the two so that okay wherever the red is we can have that little cloaking invisible effect using the footage from the one where there was nobody running through. And in that second pass, they'd actually use a wider lens. It'd give the look of a of a more distortion, kind of like the light is wrapping around the predator. Yeah, that is, that's really cool. Because they nobody did that before, right? That was something they had to figure out how to do. I mean, I don't know if they figured out how to do it in this film, but that was definitely a process to figure out, okay, how do you create this invisible character because the light needs to wrap around them and they're not completely invisible because we the audience need to see 
something, right? Right. <laughs> and that's how they figured it out. They're like, all right, we'll shoot this regular plate with this red creature, this red predator. We'll refilm the exact same thing we got, but take that character out and film it with a 30% wider lens in order to give us that distortion. We'll optically combine them in po- in, uh, in a computer. And that's Did they how use you a computer get... for that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They, they used the uh, early VFX. Wow. And they were like, and that's how it works. And it's it, so it, cool. It's cool. And look, does the effect actually really hold up that well? Not a hundred percent. In parts, yeah. In it's... parts, but I I commend the attempt. I like the attempt. Me too. I'm like you know Me what? Too. I it, like that. Yeah. Sometimes it looks a little corny, but I'm like, this was really fucking difficult. I'm gonna give you a pass. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I like getting like, passes like that. Good, good, good attempt. I think. 100, like yes. Like imagine seeing that in '87. Yeah, no, must have blown you away completely blown away yeah yeah and honestly they didn't even really have to go out that far but they said that's part of the that's part of the predator's skill set he can turn invisible we're going to find a way to do this and i shit it must have been hard even john mcturnan was saying fuck sometimes to set up these shots would take hours on hours someone would have to be in there with a calculator and <laughs> uh, and and like uh you know some fucking mathematical instruments and they said no you can't do it this way you can't do it this way it took a lot of math time and effort and And money you can't you you, the effect wasn't like when you're filming it right you're just gonna have to trust that whoever's is telling you to do it this way knows what they're what they're talking about and when it's when it's like a hundred degrees out there it's really hard to trust people like that you know i mean think about it this way right in a computer like you go out into the jungle you're like, can we do this effect? You take your computer, you take your laptop, you got After Effects on there, Blender, whatever the fuck, you, Cinema 4D, uh, <laughs> whatever you got. And it's like, hey, let me try it. And in an afternoon, you can figure it out. It's like, yeah, it works. But they're like, we think this might work, but we're going to have to go back to the lab and figure this out. And we're going to need thousands of dollars to pay for all of this. <laughs> Money, time, effort, and math. So, thankless, yeah. I, thankless work thankless and i'm not gonna shit on them i'm like you know what you guys did a good job you know clap for you guys Mm -hmm. um but yeah so the original design not that great kind of awful yeah because it like it's like it's hard filming in the jungle and the costume if if you don't like something already like that's bad right but if you don't like something and it's super fucking hot you're gonna hate it it's gonna Mm -hmm. make you mad (laughs) yeah so uh-huh. they so they decided to say, all right, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's take a little bit of time off of filming and let's bring someone else in to work on this design. And they brought in Stan Winston, who's a big guy in the industry. Now you're like, when did we talk about him? We talked about him on Terminator 2. So Stan Winston is a legend. He's a special makeup effects creator and he's best known for the Terminator franchise. The first three Jurassic Parks, Alien, The Thing, Predator, Iron Man, even Iron Man, the 2008 MCU one, the one that started it all. He worked on that film. He also worked on Edward Scissor's Hand, man. Edward Scissor's Hand. Damn. Here are some of the other films he's worked on Shutter Island, Avatar, G.I. Joe, Indiana Jones, The Benchwarmers, (laughs) Doom, War of the Worlds, Satura, Constantine, Big Fish, The Time Machine. AI, Pearl Harbor, Galaxy Quest, Inspector Gadget, Small Soldiers, you know, uh, Terminator 2, Congo, Jurassic motherfucking Park, Batman Returns. He's been everywhere. 
He's every. This man's been there. He's probably for- all seen more Stan Winston movies than anything else. Yes, we have, and we just never know it. You talk about thankless work, but they decided to bring on Stan Winston because Stan was a friend of Arnold's because they had worked on uh, the original Terminator. So that's when he's like, well, let's work together. Like Ar- Arnold was like, hey, Joel Silver, the producer, let's bring on Stan Winston because I worked with him on Terminator and that turned out awesome. So they bring Stan on and he starts doing a bunch of different sketches and that's how we get the design that we have today. And you could take the mandrels to James Cameron. The mandrels? The mandrels on like the, the Predator. the tentacle? Yeah, the tentacles. They're not tentacles. Like, they're like dreads, but they're... No, 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 not the dreads. The the thing oh. around his mouth. Oh. Yeah. You know, you know how the Predator has four... Yeah, four like th- the four little teeth thing that have like... Okay, yeah. Yeah, apparently that was thanks to James Cameron. Because I guess huh. he, he was like... J- James Cameron was there with Stan and they were like, Oh... Wouldn't it be cool? I've always wanted to see mandrels on a on a creature, and Stan was like, "All right, I'll try. It. I'll put it on." And he drew it, and that's how we got the design. Badass design, by the way. One of the coolest creature effects ever. I will say that's that's a big plus for the film. Uh, you know, is it the- mandrels or is it mandible? Oh, mandible. Or wait, what? Are, what's mandrels then? I don't know. They're mandibles. Okay, I just. I was like, I don't think they're mandrels. <laughs> uh, no, I'm getting fu- I'm getting all my words. Sorry, right, sorry. Right. We just we want to spread misinformation. No, like, no, true, true. Bill Duke is dead. Don't want to spread that. Jeez, <laughs> get over it. <laughs> but yeah, no, mandible. He wanted James Cameron was saying that he wanted to see a creature with 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 a elongated like mandible, and that's kind of what we so got good. with the Predator. And hey, man, I'll tell you this: this movie would have sucked a lot more. Like, not that it sucks right now. But if they had fucked up the Predator design, ooh. That'd have been it. Oh, yeah. Like, dead, dead on arrival. We would have been talking about, <laughs> like, some obscure 80s movie yeah, Predator that nobody likes. When you've got a horror film, you've got to have a great mascot. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. you cannot fuck up that design. Because while the movies might suck eventually, that mascot is going to live forever. How many Nightmare on Elm Street films are there? How many Halloween films? How many Friday the 13th? Most of them, for those franchises, suck. <laughs> but Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers, Hellraiser, or uh, not, not what's his name? Um, Pinhead. Pinhead, Predator, they're all going to live because they've got A1 design. And mm-hmm. Predator, up there. This dude, man, he fucking rules. So Love good. the Predator design. So good. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the the actors? Yes, Let, let's talk about the actor playing the predator. So the original predator, right? The one that looked like an ant, the one that they had like the all red version and the mm-hmm. the ant version. Um, they needed somebody athletic. They needed somebody to jump around because this predator was agile. He was fast. So they got this like really athletic, strong guy. Who hadn't done anything. He maybe didn't like a, a little bit uh, before. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Before Bloodsport, before Kickboxer, before Time Cop, before Street Fighter, before he was the muscles from Brussels, Jean-Claude Van Damme was the original Predator. Yep. Um, and that suit may have got him fired because 
it's it was it's a jungle there's a lot of hills and stuff it's a very big suit it's hot however hot it is for everybody else it's way hotter for the guy in the full body suit he it was hard for him to move in it was hard for him to breathe in and there's a lot of conflicting reports as to like why he was fired from the production uh some some people say that he was annoying and he complained too much they kept trying to put kickboxing in the movie because he's up against arnold schwarzenegger uh, he's trying to make he's trying to like have a one-on-one -on -one fight with Arnold Schwarzenegger like that's what he wanted to do in this movie I don't really believe all of that there's even a story of of him fainting in the out in the in the costume like he there's this Hollywood reporter did like a 30 years after Predator and they talked to all the actors and some of the producers people who worked on the film one of them said that he fainted twice and Joel Silver, one of the producers, said, if you faint again, I'm going to have to fire you. And Jean-Claude's like, I'm not doing it on purpose. And then he fainted again, and then he was fired. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that is really bad. Uh, but I don't know if that's the true story. Someone else said that he took off the Predator helmet, the, the head, and threw it on the floor, destroying it because he hated it so much. I, I don't know where all these stories come from. Like, these are all people that were there. Why are they all saying different things? Um, so, yeah, it's weird, right? It, it is. Uh, the Jean-Claude was interviewed, but he says that he was, it was uncomfortable, right? He wasn't able to move and stuff. And there was like this big jump that he had to do. And he told the director, I don't, or the producer, I don't think I can make this jump. I don't feel safe about this. And then they had somebody else do it and that person got hurt. You know, you, you can try and set up precautions, but some people will get hurt, man. It's it's a dangerous profession, right? And there's ways to alleviate it. No one actively wants to get hurt. But fuck, man, good on Van, uh, good on uh, Jean-Claude to, to call it. Well, that's his version of the story, but I don't know if there was any reports of injuries on the, the movie, you know? Mm -hmm. so I don't know. There was I, what I think happened, which is what somebody else suggested that Jean Claude was just uh, collateral damage because Fox, who was the uh, the studio uh, financing the movie, pro producing the movie, and all that, Fox did not like the suit, right? Because yeah. the suit wasn't good. No, no, it was not good. And because they didn't like the suit, and because they didn't like that Jean Claude Van Damme was only five nine. Compared to and Arnold's, it like... wasn't intimidating enough, even though it doesn't matter how big the guy is. He's a fucking alien, and is fucking stronger than them. It has different anatomy. It has all this advanced technology. You know, like, it's... Well, it's I'll dumb. say... Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I understand the height thing. I do. Because I'll tell you this. The Predator choking Arnold with one hand <laughs> and lifting him left an impression on me. I, okay, fair I enough. can't imagine a 5'9 dude doing that to Arnold. Again, I'm not saying you can't have a, a monster like that that's like short, fast, and agile. But you know, movie magic has convinced all of us that Tom Cruise was tall. Exactly. So. But I'm just saying <laughs> that Predator is huge. And I yeah. ultimately, I think the costume change and the actor change was for the better. Because we may have not gotten Jean-Claude Van Damme, but we did get Kevin Peter Hall. Now, yeah, and I think John Claude was unhappy doing the movie too. So yeah, maybe it sucks to get fired, but he you know, at least he got to do a kickboxer and become his own brand of action hero. Yeah, yeah. Which hey, good for him. 
But I'll say this, the guy that they replaced him with, Kevin Peter Hall, completely the opposite, and I think for the better. So Kevin Peter Hall was an actor. He passed away in 91. We'll talk about that in a bit. But he was seven feet and two inches tall. And when you put him right next to all the actors, he made him look like shrimps. This dude's <laughs> tall, right? He's lanky. He mm-hmm. was he was a uh, Harry in Harry and the Hendersons. Damn. Yeah. And oh, uh, when that show wasn't wasn't run running, uh, and they asked him to do it, and he put on the suit, and they were like, in this new suit with the performance that he was giving, completely changed the character of the Predator. They were like, he brought his own mannerisms. He brought you know, like it's what we were talking about earlier, like when he was cocky and stuff. Kevin brought that to the role. You know, he was he was like the way the way he was physically walking around. He would spin like that little. I mean, come on, man, that that shot of the predator like yelling at Arnold <laughs> is badass. And that was him. That was Kevin, right? That's great. It's it's awesome. And he, but Kevin would say like, yeah, man, I couldn't see through the mask. So he would have to rehearse scenes without his mask put on the mask and then just have to memorize what he was doing because he just couldn't see and he was like the heat was awful it's like the heat was awful i've got this giant suit and mask on i can't see shit so it's awful but he found the way to make it work and i i think at that point hadn't they already shut down production they 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 had shut it down because of the suit and that's when they brought kevin peter hall and that's well, when i they think went the back. studio was also unhappy with what they had done so far no 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 right well, no no I, the the studio was happy they liked it and they needed and the production needed more money. Oh, so when they okay. when they saw the dailies and they saw kind of John McTiernan kind of like, oh, this is what we have so far. The studio's like, oh, no, we like this. We don't like the creature. So you got to go fix that. Oh, OK. But they were like, we like this. We'll give you some more money. Uh, and, and they went back out to the jungle and and filmed that part. And they actually, I think, refilmed a few things. So things were pretty positive on that side. Right. They had a new creature design, a new actor new shoot days and everything was going well now you know kevin peter did pass away he passed away i think uh he passed away in 1991 so this film came out in 87 so he died a little bit after this film he died of um of hiv this is what it says while working on the tv series harry and the hendersons hall announced that he had contracted hiv from a blood transfusion during surgery for injuries he sustained in a car accident. He died of AIDS-related pneumonia on April 10th, 1991, a month short of his 36th birthday. Damn, dude. Young. Young man. Young man. So I think he got to play the Predator twice in the first one and the second one. And he played Harry on Harry and the Hendersons. And he had, you know, he, he was on a lot of stuff. He was in a bit of stuff. You know, Star Trek, Harry and the Hendersons, the Dukes of Hazard, ER. So, you know, he had a he had a good he had a good career. It is a shame that he passed away like that. Mm-hmm. You know. So but I'm glad that we're that his performance was immortalized with the Predator. And that's why I wanted to highlight Kevin Peter Hall, because I think he did a great yeah. job. Uh, the people who play these villains, these monsters, the deserve creatures. A, these creatures deserve a lot of credit because a lot of them don't. Yet their image, the, the imagery that they've brought to life is iconic and going to live forever. You know, forever, dude. For, literally, if they stop making alien Friday the 13th, Aliens, fucking Predator films. It, even if they stopped, these creatures are going to live on forever. And, and all, I, the, all the creatures that are in, you know, non-huge IPs. Like, that is, that's a 
a different kind of acting that is not appreciated enough, I think. Yeah, 100%. Now, a lot of times, it's completely CGI'd creatures and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to just shout out Kevin Peter Hall because I think he did a phenomenal job. And I think in the end of the day, his performance along with the costume made the ending what it is. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So we've talked a bit about the making of the film. Um, there was, uh, I did want to do a little bit of research when I was watching the movie. Like, what country are they in? You know how they they never say it. And they didn't, no, they I don't never think do. I did some research into that um, to see if that would add anything to the movie, and I think it did because. Well, I'll just get into it. The country's not named, but the screenwriter of Commando, Stephen D'Souza, he thought that it was this made-up country called Valverde, which is like. You just make up this country, geolocated somewhere here where other real life events are happening, mm-hmm. right? There was a lot of uh, conflict in Central America in the eighties, and you just the the plot of Commando take place in Valverde so that it wouldn't like offend anybody, you mm-hmm. know. So it was like about Central America without having to actually be in Central America. Yeah. Uh, so we thought that that's that's where the movie was, but in, in twenty ten. With the Predators movie, they confirmed that the events were in Guatemala. And oh. I did, but you know, that's like retroactively like, yeah, uh, we need to place this in a real place, so we're going to say it's in Guatemala. But if you like look into what actually happened in Central America during the Cold War, you know, the United States involved itself in a lot of conflicts, mm-hmm. uh, fighting the perceived threat of communism oftentimes supporting right-wing dictatorships, political assassinations, state terror, and funding right-wing counter-revolutionaries, such as the Contras uh, in Guatemala. Yeah. It's it's not not a good look for the United States. Um, In Guatemala, though, specifically, there was a civil war that went on after a CIA-instigated coup d'etat, which happened, I think, in the mid-50s, but the war took place between 1960 and 1996 with hundreds of thousands of civilians murdered, forced disappearances, and the genocide of the indigenous Maya population. A report from the United States Institute of Peace, which is the National Nonpartisan Independent Institute founded by Congress, um, finds that 93% of the human rights violations were from the U.S.-backed government, and 3% were from the guerrillas. Jesus Christ. It's it's really bad stuff. Uh, You could look it up if you're curious. Operation Condor or the Guatemalan Civil War. A lot of really awful things happened there. And uh, the United States had a great bit of stake in those matters. They might have caused some of it, a lot of it. Uh, So at the time, though, there was very skewed media coverage of the events happening down there, right? Like the screenwriters, uh, Jim and John Thomas, they wanted to create a story where people were hunted like big game in Africa. And they thought, well, men are the most dangerous creatures on earth. So whatever it is, hunts men. And then that evolved into the idea of an extraterrestrial creature hunting combat soldiers. And combat soldiers were in Central America in the 80s. So that became like the backdrop of, of the movie. And I bring it up because I think it's really interesting 
that the colonial impulse to interfere and incite violence in foreign countries for, for profit is, is linked to the colonial, colonial pastime of trophy hunting. Because mm-hmm. that's what the predator is, right? He's a yeah. trophy hunter. Mm-hmm. He's not hunting to, to eat them. He's hunting because, oh, look at me. I kill this big bad thing. You know? Well, he takes their trophies, their skulls. Yeah. It's almost as if the beneficiaries of colonizing are, for once, on the receiving end. And ah. Yeah, because like the, they're like mercenaries. They're not technically U.S. soldiers, but they were, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. In, the, in the Hollywood Reporter article that I, I was reading to see like all these different people talking about their experience on the movie... The guy who plays Richard Chavez, sorry, the guy who plays Pancho, Richard Chavez, he even described, and this is in quotes, he describes the final Predator costume as a Mayan god carved from stone. Mm. It, it, it's like, it kind of adds a little bit to, to Prey, you know, because that takes place with, it's not, they're not Mayan, it's the Comanche people, but mm-hmm. it's like, I, I think sometimes we think of the those places mm-hmm. like outside of the US as like backdrops for our like fun sci-fi action movie. Mm-hmm. We don't really think about how we're portraying the people of those of those uh, places, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just kind of funny to see them all get blown up and like the big stunts where they're like just getting blown up by grenades and stuff and they're like flying over and it's like cuz the predator is definitely you know, I saw this on a tweet. I can't take credit for it. I wish I could because it's really funny. The Predator is basically that like asshole dentist that pays for, for travel to, to go to a different country to like cover itself in the piss, pay a guy to go out and then shoot a lion and then take a picture of it. That's who the Predator is. Wow, that's a good point. And it's interesting too that it happens. Well, it, it, when you kind of, when you kind of think about it, there's like, you know, the U.S. is doing it, but then the Predator is kind of doing it to them. Uh, okay, there's something there. I like that. I, yeah. I, and I there is something there. I don't think it was like in the intent of the writers, but like going back to it and trying to think about like what was happening in, in the world at that time and like what the Predator is doing, his, his uh, or their place in the universe, like, damn. It's actually kind of interesting. And I think yeah. it adds a little bit to uh, Prey because it's actually trying to represent that culture. And colonialism yeah. does have an impact in that world with those characters. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's coming full circle. Like you, you were, you're sh- everything bad that happened to you was a backdrop, but now a, a way to keep your culture alive and show people a different side of your culture. I think 90% of the the cast and crew of Prey were indigenous. Mm. Now, now I really need to watch Prey. And I think it's the only uh, major motion picture to have a Comanche dub. I, I think it's the only one. Because I've never heard of another movie having that. Yeah. I, so. I do think it was filmed in English, though, and then the it Comanche was. was done afterwards. Yeah. But I still, I, I still like the attempt. I think that's still oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. I never even thought of it that way. All right, pretty cool. Uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on before we end the episode. I did want to talk about John McTiernan a bit. Awesome, I was because, waiting for this. Uh, yeah, because John McTiernan, he's directed some bangers. 
great bangers. You know, he did this movie. He did Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero. But uh, John McTiernan, right? So he he's made, you know, he made Die Hard, one of the greatest action films of all time. And for the longest time, he didn't direct. In fact, his last film that he directed was, I think, in 2003. It was basic in 2003 with John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. So long story short, right? He got sent to jail for perjury <laughs> for a year. He uh, he was caught lying to an FBI investigator. Because, uh, okay, on April 3rd, 2006, John McTiernan was charged in federal court with making a false statement to an FBI investigator in February of that year about his hiring a private investigator named Anthony Pelicano to illegally wiretap Charles Roven, the producer of his film Rollerball around August 2000. So six years later, they're coming back with this. John McTiernan had been in disagreement with the producer about what type of film Rollerball should be. And he hired the private investigator to investigate the producer's intentions and actions. And that involved wiretapping the guy. Oh my God. Yep. He was arraigned and pleaded guilty on April 17th, 2006. As part of an initial plea bargain agreement to cooperate with with prosecutors in exchange for a lenient treatment. Problem is, later on, he backtracked on that and he said that his when he the representation that he had at the time had lied to him or not lied to him but withheld information that uh prevented him from making a good decision and then a court found nah you're lying like you're lying about that too like your lawyers told you exactly what to say and it didn't pan out for you this is the this is the main gist of it right there's a lot more to go into but to keep it brief that's what essentially happened Um, he tried to suppress the recorded conversation between, uh, or between him and the FBI investigators. Like, like hide it from who? From the courts. (laughs) It didn't work. And on April 3rd, 2013, John McTiernan surrendered to the federal prison where he served a 12 month sentence in federal prison. He went to, he went to prison for 12 years. No, no, 12 months. Sorry, 12, not, not or, 12, 12 months. months. Yeah, a year. One year. Uh, so, and he served that. Uh, he was released in 2014, in February 25th, 2014. So a year. That's wow. what happened to him. I was like, whatever happened to John McTiernan? He went to jail. <laughs> he served wow. prison time. Because he hired an investigator... And the, but I guess he went to prison for perjury, right? So it's because yeah. he lied to an FBI investigator. Yeah, yeah. And 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 things got more complicated. Like he withdrew, but then he like he he withdrew, but then that was denied, and then a uh, and then a judge was like, no, we don't approve of that. But then that got thrown out. It's it's I don't know so much about this court stuff, but basically he lied under oath and he went to jail for it for trying to wiretap his producer on Rollerball rollerball wow isn't that movie supposed to be awful he couldn't just take in the l apparently not and in 2006 that l came wanting it it's like oh no no you thought you got away from me nah nah bitch and so all that started in 2006 and then in 2013 he went to jail for a year and in that time he you know he he had debts and he wasn't he he tried declaring bankruptcy you know, he, he tried filing for bankruptcy and then his wife at the time 
uh, filed a suit against him for invasion of privacy. Oh, uh, my God. For uh, Yeah, uh, filed suit against him for invasion of privacy and other claims arising from her belief that he hired Pelicano to wiretrap her telephone what? during their divorce negotiations. The same lot, guy? Yeah, the same guy. So he was. They, they asked him if he had asked Pelicano to wiretap two phones. One for the producer on Rollerball and the other his wife during their divorce. Oh, so it was part of like the same deal, I guess. Like I guess, yeah. Huh. Wild, huh? Yeah, don't don't hire private investigators to do this. I guess that's the moral of the movie. Or the moral of this Well, I, of the I mean I mean I don't know And then lie to how, the FBI about it. I don't know how illegal it is to wiretap. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, think it's, it's legal. Le- I mean, I just I don't, don't know. know about this stuff, right? Because I've never yeah. wiretapped anyone. Well, I guess it becomes illegal if the FBI asks you, did you do that? And then you say <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's, this is where the perjury came in. So, it, uh-huh. ah, and he got caught. He got caught. And he went to jail for it. That's crazy, dude. You don't hear about that many directors going more, to jail. Did he do more time than Bill Cosby? Oh, shit. How much time did he... Well, oh my god, that Bill Cosby is a whole shitstorm on itself. No, he went. No, he was in prison for three years. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, so John McTernan has had a he's had a rough time. You know, he has not directed anything. I mean, or he directed some commercials for Ghost Recon, the video game, uh, in 2017. But that was the last thing he hasn't directed anything since. Um, I don't know how he's making money. Residuals on Predator. Yeah, but I I guess and Die Hard. Yeah, but this man's been divorced one, two, three times. So it's a lot of lot of alimony, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> and he hasn't directed another banger. Like he hasn't directed anything big. So, you know, after a while, how much money is he still making off Die Hard? Yeah. Well, that's I just thought that was a really interesting thing. I was like, why did John McTurney go to jail? Because I knew something happened. I knew something mm-hmm. I, I thought it was I thought it was different. I thought it was like a Roman Polanski scenario where he couldn't come to the U.S. Turns out that's not the case. He's still yeah, in the U.S. Like, uh, he it's not his... as um, salacious. No, salacious no, no, no. the right word. It's like it's it's scummy business doing, but honestly, like nobody, it's Hollywood. Like it's yeah, nobody got hurt. Though, no, 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 nobody least. got hurt. And in the end of the day, he was distrustful of his producer, which I mean happens all the time. I'm sure people have done that in Hollywood a bunch of times. It's not like he oh yeah harassed or raped anyone. Um, that 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 wasn't mm. the case. You know, like Roman Polanski. So yeah, um, people he is not well liked in the industry. I think someone said that he was like. Uh, I, I saw an article saying that he was one of the most hated men in Hollywood, but I was like, who said that? It's yeah. just. The title of the article: "Most Hated Men in Hollywood." But how though? I, it's I just mean, cl- clickbait articles. Like, well, I want I want to know what the producer that? said. At least you know. Well, I want to know who said that. Who said that? Like actively, I want to hear someone's like, "This dude's a piece of shit." Because we hear that all the time. Like people have been outright about like, "Oh, George Clooney fought the director in Three Kings." Or, oh, this actor and this director had, like, a falling out. But, like, I don't know that many people that have said that about John McTurney. John McTurney is the, the most hated man in Hollywood. Why? Because he lied under oath. Give me a fucking break. How many people lie under oath? They just don't get... They lie under oath all the time. They just don't get caught. All right? John McTurney was dumb enough to get caught. Like, that mm. that's all it is. But... Yeah, I, it was... 
it was just like a clickbait title, I think. That's so that stupid. You, you click to see who the six hated men, most hated men in Hollywood are. And it's just like, this guy, he got arrested. This guy, he's in hiding. And like, there are no quotes from anybody. There's no like links to actual like journalism. It's just clickbait so that you click on it and they get money from the ads that are generated on the page after you clicked on it. Yeah. That's no good, man. No, that's that's a dumb. Again, <laughs> look, I ain't trying to defend the man as no, he's a good person. I'm not trying to do all that. I'm just like, I just wanna, I just wanna know like what happened, mm-hmm. you know. And he made people a lot of money, you know. And people liked working with him. He worked with Samuel L. twice. He worked with Bruce Willis twice. So I, I don't know. He's worked with Didn't a lot he... of talented people. Yeah. Fucking. You know, so I, I don't know. He's worked with Arnold twice, Predator and Last Action Hero. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Just yeah, I ain't trying to defend the man, but I'm not trying to like throw dirt in his eyes. Like, haha, you went to jail and you're the most hated man in Hollywood. He he could be a piece of shit, but tell me a story at least. Yeah, yeah. one time there was a PA and he just slapped him around just because he wanted to. There's like, okay, that's kind of a piece of shit move. But until I hear that, I don't know. So yeah, that is. Everything we have to talk about with Predator. Oh, yeah. Um, if you like that, if you want to hear us talk about Prey, uh, we will be recording an episode on that for our Patreon, along with a MCU tier list and Doctor Strange, Matrix Resurrections. And I've had a few other ideas that we could do on the Patreon because, I don't know, Like I feel like it would be cool to do different kinds of uh recording with you i feel like we could do some really cool stuff and i think a patreon would be the perfect place to put it mm-hmm. agreed 100 percent. so wanna want want to talk about quotes real quick yes let's do quotes and then we can send everybody on their merry way <laughs> uh, at the end of our episodes we like to come up with quotes that best represent how we feel about the movie they could be our favorite quotes they could be the quotes that uh, encapsulated our entire experience with the movie, with at recording the podcast and everything. Or it could just be one that like made us laugh. Usually George goes first, and usually George breaks the rules. Oh yeah, and I'm breaking them super this time. <laughs> because I have one quote that I love from this movie, and another quote from another movie that represents how I feel about this movie. That's okay. not how the rules work, but I, I, I will explain. So my favorite quote from this movie is, you're hit, man. You're bleeding. And Blake (laughs) says, I ain't got time to bleed. I love that. I love that quote. I want it tattooed on my body. (laughs) I ain't got got time time to to bleed. bleed. Oh, Oh I love it. I love it. It's, it's, It's great. Now, the other quote that I have that kind of represents a bit more of how I actually feel about the movie, because I ain't got time to bleed. It's just a funny line, is Mm -hmm. actually... From the 2018 The Predator film. Yep, that's the right. So I'm oh keeping... my god. Yeah. And there's one line said by, uh, what's her name? Uh, Olivia, Olivia Munn. Yeah. Where she's staring at the Predator. And it's kind of like a remix of what Arnold says. So in this movie, in the pre- in the original Predator, Arnold looks at the Predator. He's like, you're one ugly motherfucker. But when Olivia Munn <laughs> looks at the Predator, she's like, you're one beautiful motherfucker. And that's how, that's how I ultimately <laughs> feel about this. Like, I'm looking at the Predator, and I'm like, you are beautiful. Like, I love you. 
the, your mm-hmm. the, your design, the way you're acted, just you're awesome. I love the Predator, and regardless of how I feel about the film, which I do, I do like. I just I I'm do, not yeah, same. I'm not in love with it. I'm in love with the Predator, like the actual <laughs> Predator. I love. I'm like you're gorgeous. The, you're beautiful. The alien creature, the Predator. Yes, yes, yes. The alien creature, the Predator. I mean, man, it does make it really hard to Google Predator. And, like, not see some, like, really awful things when doing the research for this movie. I, I wish that the Predator had, like, a different name that, that I knew. I think it does. Like, you know, the alien has Xenomorph? Yeah. I think the Predator has another name. Oh, yeah. I think it does, too. Yaucha. There it is. That's the one. Yeah. Yaucha. Yaucha. You are one beautiful motherfucker. <laughs> I, like, I like that. That was a good one. Thank you. My quote, uh, I, I love Dylan, you son of a bitch. That's probably probably my favorite quote in the movie, and it's the one that I'm most excited to when watching the movie. I think is that one because right in the very beginning, it's like, oh yeah, I'm watching Predator. Um, there's another one that I forgot about um, when they're talking to Billy after the Predator has just killed like two mm. of them, and yeah. he's like, oh, something's got Billy spooked. What do you think, Billy? And then Billy says, there's something out there waiting for us, and it ain't no man. We're all gonna die, and then he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I, I, uh, there's parts of this movie that I don't like. I think are like not good filmmaking. You know, it's not like a a great example of the art that cinema can be. Mm-hmm. But then there's moments like that that are just really funny because right after that, you it, it's like a they they cut to um. Uh, Carl Weathers and he's just like he's losing his cool you know like dude you should be worried because he's you know what I mean like yeah he should be afraid because Billy's afraid and yeah. Billy is you know he he's Billy he's the, uh, he's the one who's him and him and Mac were the most calm and collected one and Mac loses both... it pretty easy Mac he... is creepy the way he like whispers everything yeah you know, but like, like Billy is is the guy that is tracking everybody. Is tracking. He can tell how many people are like there that are up ahead. You know, he mm-hmm. sees, he notices Predator before anybody else does. You know, it's he, it kind of plays into like that trope of like the Native American character having some kind of like mystical connection to nature. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And he just he just tells them there's something out there. It ain't no man. We're all gonna die, like just matter of fact, as as matter of factly, you know. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I love that part of the movie. I for I forgot how much I liked the movie, and I feel like that part is an example of of that. So that's my quote. Nice. All right. All right. It's a good quote, and it's a scary Thanks. scene too, because you're like, or it's not scary. It's just kind of yeah. It's ominous, but it's also funny. It's really funny. I. I laughed out loud when that, that I saw that scene. <laughs> but that is our episode on Predator. Um, on the next episode, we will have a guest. We'll be talking about The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, my favorite Lord of the Rings movie. Um, we will have Becky, who is our resident Lord of the Rings expert. I might force myself to watch the extended version which I'm sure I'm going to like it. You know, I like Lord of the Rings, so I like seeing more of it. 
Uh, I've never seen it before, the extended version. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. And man, it's just even finishing up the uh, Fellowship of the Ring episode. I was like, man, I really want to keep watching these. But, but we had already agreed to like, oh, we should we should keep going. You know, we should release the episodes when the Rings of Power premieres on Amazon Prime. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. You know, so we'll do we'll do the um, the second one when the season premieres and we'll do the third one when the season ends. I think that's a pretty good way of in that way. You know, it's Oof. like I think there's only like 10 episodes, isn't there? Yeah, because it's like did... four episodes. Yeah. Well, is it four episodes? Right, because oh, yeah, we yeah. do one every other week. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it'd be like four or five episodes. Yeah, that's good, though. That's a good amount, isn't it? We'll see. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> but, uh, All right. no, yeah, I'm I'm excited, and Brecky was a fantastic host. Can't wait to have her back on. Guest? We're the hosts. Oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> Guest. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Austin, do the thing. You can follow us on social media. We have Twitter and Instagram at retrograde underscore pod. We are on YouTube at retrograde podcast. We really, really should work on a TikTok. By the next episode, we will have a TikTok up. It'll be all the same stuff. But if you follow us there, it'll help us grow. More people follow the podcast and then it'll be great. So we will see you in two weeks. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>